Welcome to Storytelling Breakdown. I'm Steven Stahoski. I'm Caleb Meyer. I'm Larissa Whitaker. And I'm Ben Clever. This felt somewhat inevitable, given we have had our campaign diaries. We have had many episodes talking about role-playing games. We had our longest regular episode ever just a couple of episodes ago playing fury of dracula <laughs> we are finally playing dungeons and dragons on storytelling breakdown i got to Woo-hoo! play fury of dracula over thanksgiving my very family good hates it <laughs> <laughs> fury of dracula goes back to much older source material and is probably lesser known in those in or adjacent to tabletop gaming and nerdy circles whereas something like tomb of horrors has a bit of a reputation. Uh, it has been interpreted across multiple editions of the game. Uh, the version that we will be playing today uh, comes out of Tales from the Yawning Portal for 5th edition. And our three players will be taking a swing at the Tomb of Horrors uh, with me uh, in the Dungeon Master's seat. This is a little interesting, uh, although in some ways it's kind of more comforting to be the DM of a game in this context where I'm not creating the world. So if you have a problem with a story or a plot beat... That wasn't me. <laughs> we are playing the module uh, largely added as it is here, as it is presented here, for better or worse, because I feel like ninety percent of it is traps. I'm so scared. <laughs> uh, with uh, that introduction out of the way, again, uh, I will be uh, your dungeon master for today's episode. Try to make it so everyone has lost a game on this podcast. We'll yeah, see. right. Cool. So he looks directly at me and says, I'm going to try to kill you. That's what that's code for. I'm happy with that's it. That's okay. I'll bring you back. It's, it's okay. I can't die. <laughs> well, on that note, let's uh, go around and do the meeting your characters portion of this. Uh, you are seated. We'll go clockwise for me. Uh, so, Stephen, let's start with uh, introducing your character. Yeah, so I'm bringing in uh, a fighter today by the name of Ulfric Stormjaw, a level 20 fighter with the uh, archetype of Survivor. It's a homebrewed archetype that I, I pulled. Um, he is a Northman, which is a primordial human being. Uh, so he's seven foot tall, 400 plus pounds, wearing brigadine armor, wielding a hand axe and a maul. And he has a feat that allows him to use that maul one-handed. So he could take two weapon fighting. He's got 20 strength, 20 dex, 20 constitution, 18 intelligence, 14 wisdom, and six charisma. (laughs) (laughs) Had to be a dump stat somewhere. You know, I had to dump something. It's just weird that I chose to dump charisma because, like, it's me. It's going to be very different. No spells, just a really big man who hits things really hard. All right. And then, Caleb, we come to you. I am playing Keoth Crackerjack, a level 20 phantom rogue with a bit of level dip into death cleric. I have 20 decks, 16 constitution, 12 intelligence, 16 wisdom, 10 charisma, and 8 strength as my dump stat. I have a cane sword using the scimitar of speed profile, obviously sneak attack, and a very special magical feather duster that has lots of tricks up its sleeve that Ben and I made together. Oh, no. It, each of you does have uh, at least one homebrewed magic item. Yeah, do you want to go through those right now? Uh, let's get all the characters, uh, then we'll do the magic items. Larissa, please tell us about your character. This character is a far cry from Gorg, who you are playing uh, in our campaign together right now. <laughs> Today, I will be playing Tabitha, the magic dragon, 
She is a sorcerer with a wild magic subclass oh, at goodness. level 20, so she's a hot mess. Um, <laughs> I'm very excited for everything that could happen today. She's got a 29 strength, a 20 constitution, 29? 20 charisma, 18 wisdom, 12 dexterity, and 12 intelligence. So I'm going to be able to come out swinging in my best efforts, but you know things may Things may get real interesting along the way. Also, she was a silver dragon, but she was born into a volcanic eruption, hatched from her egg, and is pink. And it's important <laughs> yes. to me that everybody knows she's pink. Uh, also, for you clarification... You actually a dragon. <laughs> yes. For clarification, she's still a medium creature, though. Like She's only maybe a little bit bigger than Ulfric. And for clarification on that strength uh, modifier... Uh, one of the items she took was the belt of storm giants. Oh yeah, go figure. <laughs> Woohoo! I got that's a fanny fair. pack bag of holding that's gold, <laughs> and I got the belt of storm giants. So I'm styling, and I'm ready to party, and I'm also scared of this tomb. You're a sorcerer. <laughs> Why do you have a 29 strength? <laughs> so she can f- come up when they get close. <laughs> Look, I am a big guy who does one thing. I hit things. And I don't die. So I guess Those I are two things. things. <laughs> I'm a very sneaky man. Bird fellow. I thought he was joking when he said he found a dragon that was willing to go into this portal. Great. This I'm is going to be loads of fun. Yeah. Let's go around actually and lay out some of those item descriptions because we just covered some of them. So yeah, we've got uh, the storm. We've got the belt of storm giant strength and the bag of holding for Tabitha, which I'm kind of envisioning kind of both just like kind of crisscrossing over her because she can't really use items and tools in the way that we think of them normally. You also have a third item that we homebrewed that is a particularly powerful uh, spellcasting focus. Yes, we can begin there. They are Edgerin's Gold Dragon Teeth. It's a wondrous item in Legendary. These teeth enhance the ferocity of the mouth of the dragon. They cannot be removed by any physical or magical means unless I, Tabitha, am dead. Bet. <laughs> True. But they also have an effect that can be used teeth. to bring you back if you die. Yes. Would you like me to read the whole thing then? Uh, or yeah, like we have go through, want to go through some of the broad strokes here, seeing as this is an item that we have just created. Okay. Of course. <laughs> While attuned, I gain proficiency in a skill of my choice. The teeth can act as a plus three spell casting focus. Plus this plus three bonus can be also can also be added to the damage of any dragon breath effect, spell, or cantrip that deals fire damage. So basically, my gold teeth make my fiery spells and breath and whatnot that much more so. (laughs) And then I have 22 hit points stored in my teeth. So if I'm reduced to zero hit points, so basically if Tabitha gets dead or killed, (laughs) the teeth can be grinded against one one another, giving me 22 hit points preventing death for a single round. The teeth must then be enchanted again in the fire of a volcano to restore the 22 hit points. But until that happens... That part probably won't happen tonight. No, probably not. I hope not. (laughs) (laughs) But next time... (laughs) Underground volcano. The teeth give me ferocity, and the effect allows me to roll a d4 at the start of any turn that I take in combat. We will get to it when we get to combat, and there will be scenarios where the ferocity effect comes into play. If that sounds familiar to you, it would be because uh, you might have the Beast Heart Compendium from Matthew Colville, and we took an element of that, modified it a little bit, and added it to your dragon ability to make it so that it can reactivate one of the race abilities that a dragon should have more regular access to. Uh, Let's talk a little bit about some of the items in Ulfric's kit. So, like, uh, Ulfric 
dropped going with having more than one magic item. Uh, and instead, he has the Hammer of Thunder, which is effectively Mjolnir. Um, the Hammer of Thunder is a legendary hammer. It is the throne, 2060, requires attunement. The item always returns to the attuned creature's possession instantly on a hit or if on a miss at the end of the round. Uh, it's got a plus three bonus to attacks and damage. Does 1d6 bludgeoning damage and 1d6 lightning damage on a melee hit. The hammer has five charges. While attuned to it on a hit, you can choose to expend any number of charges. If you expend at least one charge, the hammer unleashes a thunderclap audible out to 300 feet. Uh, the target and every creature except you within 20 feet must succeed on a DC 17 constitution saving throw. Or take 2d12s of thunder damage plus 1d12 per additional charge past the first and become stunned until the end of my next turn. Half damage and not stunned on a successful save. Uh, the hammer regains 1d4 plus 1 charges at dawn. If there is a storm in the area or the wielder becomes ta the target of lightning or thunder damage, the hammer regains all charges automatically. Whoa. And on a thrown attack, there is a 1 in 6 chance of regaining 1 charge. So I roll a d6 on a thrown attack, and if I roll a 6, the hammer does gain a charge. So if a sorcerer were to possibly cast Thunderstep on you, would that repair your hammer, though it would damage your body? If, yes, like if I take thunder or lightning damage, it my hammer gains all of its charges back. We built a feat for Ulfric. So Ulfric is a two-weapon fighter, uh, and for those of you rules lawyers at home going, a maul is a great weapon. He can't use that in one hand. I present to you the Great Weapon Storm. It is a feat. Prerequisite. Martial class, strength of 17 or higher. Your incredible strength and martial training allows you to wield a great weapon with one hand, baby, uh, without <laughs> taking any penalties. You can also wield a light weapon or a shield in the offhand. You may fight with both weapons if you have two-weapon fighting style. And you can add the throne property to any weapon you are already proficient in. Pro tip, fighters are proficient in effectively everything. So I can throw anything at you. It's fun. So that gives him the ability to use two weapon. And then we went with a custom archetype and a custom uh, race. The race effectively just gives me a bunch of bonuses to my strength of con. And it gives me resistance to cold. It also means that I count as a size bigger when calculating carrying capacity, lifting ability, and strength checks against objects to move, throw, or pull, or push. Mm. I also can't swim. <laughs> oh. That's a thing. Um, my archetype, though, is, is the most fun. It's the survivor. Wait, hold on. <laughs> like so at all? You, you just sink like a stone? I just don't. I have disadvantage <laughs> got... on athletics checks for swimming. Oh, okay. That mean, yep. that doesn't mean you can't swim. I'm bad at swimming. You're bad at swimming. Which is funny because my, my, my father is literally a god of storms and seas. It's fine. Um, What's your relationship with your father like? Then? Bad. <laughs> mm, I'm sorry. It's okay. He's literally a chaotic evil god. Oh, well, so, that makes sense then. Mm -hmm. But my archetype is the most fun. It is... Uh, the survivor, the text underneath the description is just killing me, just slows me down. By level 18, I am immortal. I stop aging and I gain the ability to return to life after death. When I die, if my head was not cut off and my body was not reduced to ash, I return to life after 1d10 days with one hit point and two levels of exhaustion. No kidding. Full stop. We will be dead so by that as long, point, so if, as if long, you die, we won't, be, we won't be alive when you come back. So as long as I'm not disintegrated... <laughs> As long as I'm not just a pile of dust, I will come back. Or Highlander. Yeah, you can cut my head off. That would work too, theoretically. Items for Kioth? Yeah, so as mentioned before, I have that uh, scimitar of speed, even though it looks like a cane sword. So that's 
plus two to attacks and damage, and I can use my bonus action to attack again with it. I have glamoured, studded leather armor, so it's plus one, but it can look like anything, so it looks like very fancy vest and coattails and all pretty. Uh, and then for my unique item, I have Miracle's Feather Duster. So for those of you who don't know, Miracle is the one of the gods of death in the Forgotten Realm. It is a legendary item, requires attunement, and can also be used as your holy symbol. As an action, the Feather Duster can brush clean remains. The user learns the race, age, name, and manner in which the creature died. The Feather Duster remembers all remains it has ever cataloged. It has 15 hey. charges. Charges it's can be spent. Live with a lot. Yeah. Charges can be spent as part of the same reaction, bonus action, or action to cast a spell. The level of the spell is determined by how many charges I spend, regaining all charges after a long rest. The item is a plus three spell casting focus when fully charged, plus two at ten charges or lower, plus one at five charges or lower, and it provides no bonus once all its charges are out. While any charges remain, I have access to all necromancy spells. Oh, goodness. And here I thought my regeneration was going to be broken. A little bit of everything is broken. But again, it's Tomb of Horrors. Fair. And you talked about your feats. I have the Dungeon Delver feat. So ah, good. I have advantage Glad on investigation that. and perception checks to discover hidden doors. I have advantage Ooh. on saving throws to avoid or resist traps. And I have resistance to damage from traps. You know, I know you got the lowest HP out of the three of us, but I think you should actually go in front. <laughs> for, the traps, for the traps, I might go in front. We'll see. Yeah. Oh, my yeah, word. I like this. Make the little man go first. <laughs> and then you've got the tough feet to account for the fact that your hit dies at D6. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so, oh, yeah. So, like, Ulfric's got a, a 20 AC and a 265 hit points, and he literally has a Wolverine regeneration complex, which is part of his archetype. I get 12 D12 regeneration dice. That I use, like the like a fighter archetype would use, like the champion or the battlemaster would use those uh, maneuvers. Like second dice. wind, yeah, yeah, or second wind. I have second wind actually, on top of the regeneration dice. There you oh. go. Which is stupid. Do we start and with any health potions? We should have asked this off, Mike. But do we start with any health potions, Ben? Let me roll for that. Yeah, I will roll a d4 for each of you, and the result in the die is the healing potion you have. You'll each get one. Oof. All right. So, Ulfric. Ulfric has a potion of healing. I rolled a one. Great. <laughs> All right. Ki- Four, baby. Kioth has a potion of greater healing. I rolled okay. a two. And Tabitha, Tabitha has a potion of healing. I rolled another one. Ah, okay. All right. Better than no potions of healing. You know what, Pink Dragon Lady? You can have my potion of healing. I've never taken them in myself. I don't like to poison my body that way. <laughs> Just straight alcohol. Are you serious, Ulfric? Oh, yeah, you can have it. All right. Two potions of healing for me and a lot of confidence for you. And we will pick up <laughs> with our prologue after the credits.
Legend of the Tomb. Somewhere under a lost and lonely hill of grim and foreboding aspect lies a labyrinthine crypt. It is filled with terrible traps and not a few strange and ferocious monsters to slay the unwary. It is filled with rich treasures, both precious and magical, but in addition to the aforementioned guardians, there is said to be a demi-lich who still wards his final haunt. Be warned that tales have it that this being, called a Seric, possesses powers that make him nearly undefeatable. All accounts conclude that it is quite unlikely any explorers will ever find the chamber where the demi-lich lingers, for the passages and rooms of the tomb are fraught with traps, poison gases, and magical protections. Furthermore, the demi-lich has so well hidden his lair that even those who avoid the pitfalls will not be likely to locate their true goal. Only large and well-prepared parties of the bravest and strongest should even consider the attempt. And if such a group does locate the tomb, they must be prepared to fail. Any expedition must have magical protections and weapons, and must be equipped with every sort of device possible to ensure survival. Anyone else uh, now wishing that maybe they'd take an air genasi as their race? <laughs> with that mention of the poison gases? Anyway. Nah, I resist poison, buddy. I was thinking we maybe should have had radiant damage. <laughs> There's some undead, to be sure. The characters have arrived at the site of the Demi-Lich's last haunt. Before them is a low, flat-topped hill, about 200 yards wide. I think this stuff is mostly just for me, but I'll give it to you guys as a kind of a reference for where you're beginning here. Again, a low, flat-topped hill, about 200 yards wide, 300 yards long, and 60 feet high. There's only ugly weeds, thorns, and briars that grow upon the steep sides and bald top of the mound. There are black rocks upon the top of the hill, and if these are viewed from a height of about 200 feet or so above the mound, which one of you can easily do because she has a fly speed, it will be seen that the hole is shaped like a human skull. <laughs> Piles of jagged rock appearing as eye holes, a nose hole, and the jagged teeth of a grinning death's head. And that is where we begin our adventure. The first step in beginning Tomb of Horrors is unearthing the entrance to the Tomb of Horrors. There's not an obvious sign telling you, this is where you need to begin. Can I roll with advantage investigation to discover a hidden door? Even more so, can I pick up Kioth and fly into the sky to get an aerial view and then have him see if he can see? All right. Uh, your investigation is significantly higher than your perception, if I recall correctly, with how your skills are, are laid out, Caleb. Actually, perception's higher. Perception's but I have advantage higher. on that, too. Right. Okay. <laughs> I will let you roll perception. We will say this starts out with the dragon flying with the bird as the Viking walks along the sands trying to scope out the entrance. Up we go, I'm, Tabitha. I'll roll a perception. It's not terrible. Well, it was two fours. <laughs> so 19. Can Tabitha try? Oh, wait. No, yeah. sorry. I have reliable talent. So it is 25. Yes. All Good right. Okay. Uh, 18. I All rolled right. an 18. Cool, cool. Find a door. All right. So it takes a while of circling. You don't see anything that is an obvious point of giving way except for a section to the north end of this rocky and sand-covered hillside. It looks like it does kind of break as it slopes towards the north and there may be a possibility to rather than dig down instead dig across. Well, anybody bring a shovel? How your character would choose to dig and uh, 
what implements you choose to use. You have a big guys. hammer. <laughs> <laughs> I got claws. I could get in there, get started. Can I use my claw attack to attack the ground? Claw and... attack, not necessarily, but I will be kind to you and let you just make a strength check. <laughs> just out of curiosity, did, do any of you actually carry a shield? <laughs> No. Mine says I have not. a 19 armor class with a shield, but I don't understand if that's the no, shield that's, spell. That is the shield spell. Dang. Yep. No shield. Yeah, because they're tiny little dragon right. arms. So Tabitha is starting to dig at the 11 side plus a little bit. 9, I got a dirty 20 okay. on a strength check. So there's this entire section is hundreds of feet long in terms of where you could be starting your digging. So the north side of the hill, uh, would you say you were starting to dig relatively close to the center or perhaps further to the looking at it to the left or to the right can she make like a gut check as far as uh insight to get a sense of what intuitively would be the right choice as far as digging does she have a dragon sense for that sort of thing not necessarily over this is walk this up to you and look at you and go all right pinky you dig on the right i'll dig on the left Okay. Sounds good to me. All right. I'll roll strength. To start yes, you do. All right. 23. Okay. So and yours, I roll strength yours, again? Yours is a dirty 20. Well, you rolled the dirty 20 already. Yep. Given that your check came in higher, the first person to unearth anything even resembling an entrance tunnel would be Ulfric. It takes, like, realistically, both of you digging, it still takes the better part of an hour at least, and... In the hot beating sun, eventually you do eventually hit something resembling bedrock. Ulfric, who normally wears like thick furs and leather armor with you know brigadine armor with metal pieces in it, has just stripped down to his to his like trousers. <laughs> just digging, he's going. This sucks. I hate the hot. Whichever one of you convinced me to come along, I'm about ready to kill you. I thought you recruited us. Whose idea even was this? Yeah. <laughs> this is the moment when the characters realize they're in a game. Okay. Keoth Ke Ke just hums to himself in the corner. <laughs> <laughs> I thought this was Birdman's idea. <laughs> so you do eventually see before you a stone tunnel that is roughly 20 feet across and roughly 10 feet high in its standing. And roughly worked and mortared, you do see some rough, what look like they could be glyphs or hieroglyphs carved into the wall, but they are crude. You're unfamiliar with the language. Uh, and obviously given just to what extent that this tunnel is so close to the surface, not particularly well preserved, but you do see what looks like the beginnings of a tunnel entrance in front of you. Can I do a history check on the runes? Yes. The glyphs. Reliable talent. That's a 10. <laughs> <laughs> Your dice are not being kind to you thus far. No. 23. I'm putting my armor back on. Of course. And I'm ditching the fur cloak. Well, I mean, I'm at the runes. I'm hovering about five feet above off the ground, just right. scoping things out from the air. You're medium sized, though. You're not like huge. As far as dragons go, I'm pretty small. But as far as, as far as creatures go, I'm relatively big. Medium. I count as medium. I don't remember how tall I am. <laughs> <laughs> I have it written down. I just need to I'm make 10 sure feet tall. I weigh 350 you. pounds and I'm 150 years old. My eyes are green. I don't have any hair and my skin is pink scales. Okay, so I weigh more than you, but you're taller than me and I'm older than you. Got you it. got more muscle. Um, we, we call it that. We could also call it rum. 
your attention to the runes eventually takes you lower. You're kind of going from left to right. You're not able to discern much in terms of language and information. But this is when you start to notice some aspects of the floor and the paving stones look to be uh, perhaps a bit uneven, some unmortared, and they shift slightly with even just a little bit of movement as you barely come into the chamber. I'm going to check for traps. All right. Go ahead and give me a perception check. 31. Okay, so yes, you are well aware that this floor is trapped. You can try to keep the stones from shifting using your thieves' tools. I will do so. All right, uh, go ahead and give me a dexterity check. Ooh, that's pretty good. 30. Okay. Is this what he's doing? Yeah, I mean, he's he's doing this. Like you, You've watched... Your bird friend walk into the chamber and is interacting with the floor with his thieves' tools, and uh, to this point, he has not uh, triggered anything of concern. So I'm going to come up, stand behind him, put my head on my hand on my hammer, and go. You know, if you need, I can just start throwing the hammer at stuff. Just keep that in mind. I will back. keep that in mind. <laughs> <laughs> there are a pair of old stone doors, from the looks of things, at the far end of the chamber. Once you go, again, checking to make sure I have the math. About 60 feet down from the mouth of this entrance where you came in, you do see those at the end. And also, I should have asked this way sooner. Uh, what are each of your capabilities, dark vision-wise? I got it. Okay. I do not. Okay. So, Which is a bit surprising. I can help out, so, even, but, so even though you're the only one who hasn't stepped in, as you kind of lean your head in, Tabitha, you would be the one, probably the first to be able to perceive there's a pair of stone doors at the end of this corridor as Keoth is working on the floor and Ulfric is thinking about using his hammer. I relay that I'll, information I'll to the party. All right. Ulfric lights a torch and you relay information about the doors at the end. Mm-hmm. Okay. Keoth, how about you? You said it's 60 feet away? Yes. Hmm. The floor looks suspicious between here and there. Does the ceiling look suspicious? <laughs> uh, <laughs> your perception has been good enough to this point that I can say you don't identify any uh, dangers uh, on the walls or the ceiling. You do note that the floor trap, you can say pretty confidently, just given your history with these types of, of traps and, and your knowledge of them, that you were able to... I'm an archaeologist right, trade. Not able to necessarily disable, but at least able to prevent from triggering whatever trap was hidden in the floor. It is safe to walk to the door, and so I walk to the door. Okay. Uh, the confidence in your abilities. Right What's it like to be you, Kia? Um, it's lonely. I spend most of my days in dank dungeons, cataloging dead people. <laughs> but you know what? I enjoy it. I have I have this journal where I write about all the all the dead people that I find. You know, Birdman. I think we need to find you a new hobby. Oh, it's not a hobby. It's a job. <laughs> oh, I don't get paid much. <laughs> I don't know how to play back to you. I just think that's funny. <laughs> we do need to find you a hobby. Good grief. All right. Upon approaching the door, what would be the first way in which you interact with it? I, uh, is there any, like, markings? Is there more, like, writing on it? Largely plain uh, stonework from what you can see. I'm going to see if it's locked. All right. I'm going to jimmy the handle. I will step back. All right. <laughs> Uh, even for Ulfric, the first thing that you notice is that this uh, this section of stone like doorway so is abnormally heavy, even for you. Uh, like, just to what extent it feels like you are moving a wall, or if not the entire side of a fortress of some kind. So it's locked, <laughs> or it's not a real door. 
You have found one of the false entrances to the Tomb of Horrors. Oh, so you mean to <laughs> so tell me that you did really all that digging? You guys have wasted probably the better part of two hours. This is not the entrance to the Tomb of Horrors. Ah! I can't just dig in by smacking it really hard with my hammer. I mean, you're welcome to try. I'm going to hit it with a hammer. I will leave the hallway. <laughs> I will exit to the surface. Tabitha as well. Really quickly. All right. What does a what is a 34 get me? All right. Uh, damaged badly. wall. And there's a just a rumbling and cracking of the stonework as you smack it. And you kind of hear a behind you and it's your tool that you left starting to shift. So I cannot be surprised because I have alert. Do I notice this? You do. You might, you're <laughs> might, around and you running. Might, you're getting out of the corridor. Okay. Running as fast as I can. So <laughs> you get just past the midway point of, no. the, of the corridor and go ahead and give me an athletics check. Gotcha. 25. Behind you, a stone slab comes out of the wall that as you were coming in would have been to your left and just slams into the wall on the opposite side. You avoid the crushing impact just with your pure speed after likely triggering it yourself with the force of your hammer against the wall at the end. And this would have potentially trapped you from getting any further or trapped you within the chamber and we would have had to have dug you out. But all of you are outside of the eastern entrance. So I left my tool there? (laughs) You are welcome to go. We established that you did that kind of first thing and it was relatively early into the room. You'd be able to retrieve that if you would. Okay, yeah. Otherwise, I have no thieves tools. We still have not found the door. (laughs) So do we, I say, Birdman, you want to go back up in the sky? Let's take another look at this whole thing. Let's do it. All right. Do I need to do an athletics check? Uh, you, you you have a fly speed, so you're just going Woo-hoo. through the air, and I and I you, only weigh a hundred pounds. Yeah. So, <laughs> so yeah, go ahead and roll a perception check. Thirty two. So what Keoth would know, thanks to his uh, history as an archaeologist, is that in some ways a false door is a good sign because it means you were actually probably closer than you think. That north facing ridge is likely the site of an entrance. You just didn't get the right door. So do we have to, do I need to go back to digging? Can I dig more? That's the plan. Kioth, where shall I dig? I'll dig. (laughs) Do I I have like a, like a better idea now of where to tell her to dig? I would say, given that we're leaning on your uh, background archaeology here, let's make this history with advantage to get a sense of where you think the door could be here. Here's history. 24. You get the sense that if that false door was to the east, then your next logical points would be either towards the center and then to the west in terms of where another section that might be a doorway could be. Uh, Your archaeological instincts tell you towards the center is maybe more likely, but there's a possibility it could be to the west as well. You're welcome to check those in whatever order you see fit. Oh, go ahead. I also forgot but I have a minus pickaxe and a shovel. Here you go. <laughs> Ulfric. <laughs> Thanks. Would you like to take the west and I'll take the center or shall we roll for it? Yeah, sure, fine. Flip a coin. I got a six plus nine. I have 15 on my strength check. Okay. Which way were you going? It depends on how your strength check is. 22. Oh, you think you should take center? I'll take west. I guess I'm going to go start digging in the center or towards the center. Birdman, where am I putting the shovel? Right there. Okay, good, got it. 
And I start explaining the like how you grid mm-hmm. an archaeological <laughs> dig and like catalog. <laughs> All right. Tabitha's so, just going to town like a puppy in the backyard. All right, cool, cool. So you were digging off to that far side. Your check was though higher once again. And just by the time that you're starting to get real sick of the archaeological breakdown of the process, <laughs> you hit a t- and you recognize the sound of, okay, wait a minute, that's what it sounded when the last door gave way, seeing as you were the one who opened that entrance as well. Oh, hey, I found it. Pinky, get over here. All right. She dig, hustles over. Dig here. Do I trust him? Birdman, tell her to dig here. I don't Sounds know. correct. Ah, uh, but do we think that there is a trap, Birdman? I will check once the rubble's gone. Well, first let me tell you what you see. Okay. While the previous chamber... Uh, again, had the noticeable details of the false door, the trapped and shifting floor with unmortared stonework. You you okay. have done the dungeon delving equivalent of opening a door that was previously hidden underneath rock and sand. Bright, brilliant colors are to be seen everywhere. The stones and pigments undimmed by the passage of decades. The floor of the corridor is a colorful mosaic of stone with a distinct winding path of red tiles about two feet wide, snaking its way south down the corridor. No stonework can be seen on the walls or the ceiling 20 feet above, for some sort of cement or plaster has been smoothed over all of these surfaces and then illustrated. The scenes show fields with kind grazing, with several wolves in the background, workers of various races and strange human-animal mixtures, pig-human, ape-human, and dog-human, going about various tasks. Certain of the frescoes show rooms of some building and a library filled with many books and scrolls, the door of a torture chamber and a wizard's workroom. There are chairs, windows, boxes, bales, doors, chests, birds, bats, spiders, and all manner of things shown on the walls. And that is our description of this corridor. Hey, yo, Birdman. How old is this tomb exactly? Um, I should be able to tell you exactly, actually, because... While this conversation is happening, Tabitha's eyes look like that scene from Snow White where Dopey puts the gems up in front of his eyeballs, <laughs> completely enamored by the glories and treasures in the space. I have historical knowledge, which says when I enter a ruin or dungeon, I can correctly ascertain its original purpose and determine its builders. What is probably of the greatest interest to Kioth is the fact that to this point, this is the oldest tomb that you have been in. I mean, you have gone through many a dig in your time period here, and the reckoning with the Sarek is a legend that you are now kind of comprehending, oh, I'm on the doorstep of an older history than what I've ever reckoned with in my time. His eyes start to look like Tabitha's eyes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, is that an answer to my question, Birdman? Or? It's older than any place I've ever been, and I've been to some pretty old places. I don't think you grasp how old I am. No, I don't. Is it older than me? (laughs) I don't know. How old are you? I lost count after the second century. Well, it's older than two centuries. There we go. It's old. Got it. Which is weird, because Ulfric looks like he's maybe in his mid-30s. How long is this hallway? It is 10, 20. It is 130 feet in length, approximately, from the door that you just opened. So, a little over twice what you ran into in that first chamber. Also... Again, the first chamber was hardly any effort put into it. This is a beautiful and artistic, right. but obviously foreboding entryway, yes. And you said it's it's what, diamond patterned floor? Like red and black? There is a pathway of red that kind of snakes its way through, and it's not completely even. 
it starts out kind of towards the left side. If we were to if we were to think of this uh, roughly 20 foot wide corridor as having I don't know, a pattern of squares on it that are approximately 10 feet by 10 feet. <laughs> the uh, red pattern would start on the left side and then about 10 feet in, angle to the right, continue for about another 40 feet, angle to the left again, do a short little hook, continue back to the right for another 20 or so feet, then back to the left, then back to the right, and then kind of end angling kind of in a leftward arc at the end of the chamber, some 130 feet down. Does that have any correlation with the mosaic on the ceiling? Go ahead and give me a perception check. 32. You discover on the floor, written into the mosaic, and kind of in a winding bottom-to-top style from the door in which you come in, a message woven into the mosaic in a language that you are able to discern. And uh, with that... I will let you know what this message says as you inspect the floor. Leave the door dash on the placement. (laughs) (laughs) Aseric congratulates you on your powers of observation. So make of this whatever you wish. For you will be mine in the end, no matter what. Go back to the tormentor through the arch and the second great hall you'll discover. Shun green if you can, but night's good colors for those of great valor. If shades of red stand for blood, the wise will need not sacrifice. Aught but a loop of magical metal. You're well along your march. Two pits along the way will be found to lead to a fortuitous fall, so check the wall. These keys and those are most important of all, and beware of trembling hands and what will maul. If you find the false, you find the true, and into the columned hall you'll come, and there the throne that's key and keyed. The iron men of Visage Grim do more than meets the viewer's eye. You've left and left and found my tomb, and now your souls will die. Oh, <laughs> 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 I don't die, bud. Like, literally, I've tried. Can what we get a that? copy of that? Yeah, that'd be nice. Because uh, I feel like there is, in, like, secrets. Clues. It's talking about greens and reds, and the floor is red. Are we it supposed to walk the, on the, the red the, or not the, walk on the, the red? The color of night is for the valiant, but avoid green if you can, which makes me green. hesitate. Blood, blood, red, magic, metal. Oh, goodness. Let me see if this picture actually took. <laughs> Luckily, no one's I've never green. been good at puzzles, but I love to try. In terms of what is found within this room as you are winding your way along. So, like, we, we had to walk the whole pathway to get that whole message? That's what is implied. So... As long as we don't step off the red, nothing bad happens, right? That's one tact to take. Go ahead. In studying the mosaic, Caleb, go ahead and tell me how Kioth would have reacted to discovering that there is a message as you are reading those first few lines, as soon as you perceived, Aseric congratulates you on your, and then you carry on. Oh, he'd, he'd pull out his journal and his pen and start writing down the message as he is going along, but like he's very obviously like crouched over looking at this, copying it into his journal. Okay. I need you to make a perception check. 33. <laughs> okay. So you are perceiving as you go along, you're reading through the message and you probably get through roughly 
As Sarah congratulates you on your powers of observation, so make of this whatever you wish, for you will be mine in the end no matter what. And right after that line, you perceive the edge of basically what you perceive to be some sort of lid to a trap mechanism about roughly 30 feet into the room. How wide is this lid? Uh, Occupying a space of roughly around 10 feet. So half the hall on the right if you had stayed on the red. Is there like a way that I can like get to its trigger mechanism without triggering it? Uh, In terms of you are able to assess that this covering is in addition to its size quite extraordinary in its weight. So my next check would be asking for uh, one that you have dumped, unless you want to get some help. Or Frick. <laughs> yeah, what's up, Birdie? There, there is a trap with a heavy lid, and I cannot lift it. You want me to lift the lid on a trap? Yes. Well, will that trigger it? From what I can discern? This uh, section that you perceive is right in front of a section of the wall that has two jackal-headed human figures that are painted to appear to be holding what looks like a real bronze chest that is protruding from the wall. The Ark? <laughs> it's, I don't think it's quite that large. If you uh, combined the Ark with the idol, you might have something about this size. It's basically a box. Okay. Uh, I'm looking for my yeah. And I'm realizing that this trap is realistically something you just want to make sure you, A, don't step on and really would only need to lift if someone fell into it but you happened upon it before falling into it was even an Oh, issue. so we can just walk around it? Yes. All right. Well, is it right in front of this it? chest? Yes, it is. I kind of want to lift it. Do we want the chest? I have, an, I have an idea. Okay. Lift it a little bit. See if you can support it. And if it's, like, not heavy, then I only weigh 100 pounds. So I could, like, <laughs> you know, get to that chest. Okay. And it's so not going to flip because... I'll just give it a look. So effectively, I count strong, man. as whoa, whoa, one whoa. size yeah, bigger when lifting, mm-hmm. and I have advantage on those checks. Do we yes. want to take advantage of the fact that one of us can fly if this is a trap that falls down? I lift heavy Tabitha things. stands off to the edge, ready to fly down if needed, depending right. on how this shakes out. Okay. So the section of this floor that would, gi- that would give or this trap would trigger, you've assessed the danger of and just know, okay, don't step here. Right. And you have enough strength with two of your party members to potentially push your way out if you had to come, if it came to that. That right. does now raise the question of the chest. You want that chest. Okay. <laughs> I want that chest. Can you uh, lift the chest, though? Like, if nope. it looks like it's solid metal. It is and in you're the hopping wall. Up From on a distance here, I think I can show you the picture that kind of depicts the chest jutting out of the wall. Okay, can you tell with your bird eyes... Does that chest itself look like it's got traps? Is it booby-trapped if you try to dislodge it? Perception. 29. All right. You notice that the hinge near the bottom where you would begin to interact with it does have a small needle that seems to be sticking out of the wall. To catch that, you could potentially put something into it, or you could try to disable the trap using your thieves' tools. How big is the hole? Like, what would we have to put in there? Probably something roughly the size of a dagger. Go ahead and make me a a dexterity check for that, if you would. 11, then, unless I had my proficiency. All right. Uh, That's, from what you can tell, you have stopped the mechanism. I go to the other side from where the needle is. And are going to attempt to open the chest here? Yes. All right. Wait, so in this situation, is Ulfric holding up the bottom of the base, supporting 
Keoth as he tries to get the chest. Is that what's happening right now? Uh, yes. Yeah. You, you you have. So who is yeah who is supporting you as you are interacting with the chest? Because otherwise you would be standing on that section of the floor, likely to give way. All right. So. Yeah, Ulfric's got the reach. You've got the flight if needed to jump in and save somebody. Tabitha's just ready. The chest appears to be empty. And what? recalling how high your passive perception is, though, I will say that uh, as you interact inside this thing and examine it, uh, you do see what looks like uh, a lever towards the bottom of it. Does the lever look trapped? Does it look like the string in that box <laughs> in that episode of SpongeBob? Yes. Oh, just lift the lever. I don't I think have, you should I'm, investigate it. I'm not it. as hale as you are. <laughs> yeah, does it look trapped? Not from... It's just like solid. I pull the lever. just looks like it's building the chest. Uh, at that point, that part of the floor does open, but obviously, you're, again, you're not standing on it. So uh, you see what then basically... Part of the floor gives way, and then a stone that proceeds to cover it and would have been what you would have had to have lifted away if you had fallen into it, but you all collectively avoid dropping into that stone trap. It would have been a 30-foot drop for anyone who fell into that. There's um, no treasure here. No, there is not. Correct. <laughs> now, there is a pathway continuing along from here. The question I will ask... Uh, is do you continue to do you intend to continue following the red, the remaining roughly a hundred feet you would need to follow the rest of the chamber? There's no like side doors. It's just straight shot down, right? You see what looks like a pair of archways down at the far end of things. You're not seeing anything that looks like an obvious exit to anything else in okay. this room at this at this time. No. Yeah, I think we just what, we follow the red guys. Wait, I thought the that red, the red. I, I don't know. I have a. I don't know about following the red. I thought we thought the riddle suggested that halfway past, if you get halfway through the red, then it's danger. Because re-looking at the script here that Birdman has so kindly written down for us. If shades of red stand for blood, the wise will not need sacrifice. Aught but a loop of magic metal, you're well along your march. Do we need to put a ring on something? I don't understand this puzzle, but I'm nervous about proceeding without taking a little investigation first. I mean, my clans make our arm rings out of mithrils, so. But is it magical? <laughs> Says there's two pits along the way. We found one pit. You're assuming that this path ends in this hallway. Go ahead, Keoth, and give me another perception check. And depending on the height of this check, I will let you know how many floor traps you're able to perceive. 30. That was enough for four. So immediately to the upper left from the trap that you avoided in front of the chest, there is another one. Uh, it would be to the southeast of it, and it is not on the red trail. There's another one, dead center, kind of past a loop in the red, so the red does not cross over it. But then there is a third where the red goes right over it. So basically, whether or not you were following the red, you were likely to run into a trap unless you were able to perceive your way through it. And uh, the fourth one you're able to perceive also underneath a section of the red, right before it kind of arcs and splits towards the far south and southeast wall. Can and there's, we can just walk around them? Yes, you're able to per- perceive them and pick them out. We follow Kiath's lead. Yes, I will just point them out to my compatriots. <laughs> All right. As you get closer to the end of this hallway, you see a pair of stone archways. The one that is to the southeast is filled with a veil of thick vapors. 
chambers. The stones on either side of the base and the keystone protrude slightly from the stones around them. As you move to within touching distance, the left-hand base stone begins to glow yellow. The right-hand base stone orange, and the keystone seven feet above is blue. What happens if you mix blue and yellow? You make green. Go on, avoiding that one. What's the other door do? This section of wall uh, before you, you see is a relief sculpture of a devil face formed of mosaic tiles. The face has a huge O of a mouth and inside of which there is a space of dark, of just dead black. Hey, what'd that pretty poem say about the black colors? Night's good color is for those of great valor. Cool. I want to go this way. That's not a way, though, is it? It's just... It is a, a face at the end of the corridor. And then you have the archway It also says, The Iron Men of Visage Grim do more than meets the viewer's eye. Like Transformers. Oh. Autobots, roll out! <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. I like it. Tabitha, you can see in the dark, correct? Correct. What's in his mouth? Uh, can Tabitha roll? I want to roll perception. I got 18 plus 4, 22. In this circumstance, given the magical nature of it, we will, I think, say Arcana. Would so make we some got sense. a 25. Yeah. And you realize that this mouth of this devil face would basically trap anything or anyone that attempted to interact with it or pass through it, likely bringing them into some sort of black void and completely destroying them. I, Tabitha, can tell that by interacting with this devil, touching it, look and see what it's got, that it will consume all that I or anyone else am and enter a void of sorts. Even by the just terrifying scale of this place, this is an object emanating an extraordinarily dark aura. So we want to avoid that. <laughs> oh, darn. You have this archway to the southeast then. Oh, so there's one door. Option. Yes. I guess we're going in there. I'm going to walk through that archway. Hold on. What's night's good color? If night's good color is not black and we can't do green because it's blue you, plus you, yellow, isn't orange left? As you move to within touching distance, the left-hand base stone begins to glow yellow. The right-hand base stone orange and the keystone seven feet above is blue that said are you just walking through i really want to tabitha (laughs) sticks her arm out and stops him it's only seven feet above so like i could touch it yeah i'm gonna touch it okay so you touch the blue stone yes all right uh the vapor remains in the entrance from what you can see that stone still glows i'm gonna touch the green the the yellow one Okay. Uh, Both at the same time or separately? No, I'm just going to touch the yellow one by itself. Okay. Uh, Vapor still remains. Yellowstone still glowing. Same thing, orange? Uh, Yes. Orange and then blue. (laughs) (laughs) Same story. (laughs) Yellow then blue. (laughs) All right. Uh, Yellow then blue followed by orange? Yeah. That order causes the vapor to disappear and a path emerges to continue eastward. All right. Are you going to go through the door or not? <laughs> yeah, we'll go through. All right. You emerge one after the other, which Fulfric did go through first, and then the others followed. It sounded followed by Kioth and then Tabitha reluctantly at the end. Uh, you emerge in a small room that holds what appears to be a statue of a gargoyle. It is approximately eight feet tall, which would make it a little taller than Ulfric and slightly shorter than Tabitha. And it has four arms, or at least it did. One of the arms is broken off and lies on the floor in front of the statue. 
I'm so tempted to go up and give one of the remaining arms a high five, but I'm going to exercise self-control. <laughs> See, I was like, man, that's disrespectful. They broke his arm off. They should have put it back. And does my first instinct was to put the arm back. I uh, ritual cast dark magic. I'm going to sit down magic. and sharpen my ass. Dark magic. <laughs> <laughs> All right. What level is uh, detect magic normally? One. Cool. I don't think you can even upcast that spell. It just no, is no, what it, it is. But it is a spell with a level, which means we get to roll on the wild magic table. Oh, good <laughs> Do I get to roll 91? I is, think. Is, is yeah. that nine or yeah. six? Nine? That's a nine. 91. 91. Okay. Tabitha would have no way of knowing this. Uh, but what you just rolled was significant. Was better. I mean, neither one of these is really going to make any difference mechanically or within the context of the game. Uh, but a ninety-one gives you the effect of that. If you were to die at any point within the next minute, you would immediately come back to life as if by the reincarnate spell. So, cool. good one to remember for later. Ninety-one. <laughs> <laughs> we Not like that we can control what we roll, but. <laughs> right? <laughs> so you are effectively immune from death. For the duration of the first minute of this spell, it's gone by the time we actually get to assessing this. All right. Not nothing. Be reckless. (laughs) All right. For a minute. And then be cautious again. (laughs) Wait, would she... So when you say Tabitha has no way of knowing, so as I start casting the spell, I wouldn't notice that I'm not going to die within the next minute? Right, exactly. It would only... Never mind. Yeah. (laughs) Even while we would describe the stone claw-like hands of a gargoyle as being more beast-like than any kind of humanoid, there's still a discernible expectation of what a hand looks like in any kind of a carving or art form. Five fingers. Right. <laughs> uh, as well as just the, as well as the shape of the fingers and the palm. There is a certain concave section of the palm of each of the hands on the gargoyle that remain. The one on the ground has no such formation. It looks relatively close to a normal stone-carved hand, but the others do have that concave element to them. As though they were holding spheres of some sort? Is it like <laughs> spherical shaped? It looks like it maybe more comes to like a point at the end, but is still kind of bowl or basin-like. Is there anything else in this room? There is an exit that takes you in terms of... Actually, you really wouldn't have a good sense of direction right now. But from the gargoyle statue, if you guys are all standing in kind of the space that's unoccupied to it, it is to the statue's right, and you see a hallway kind of angling and arcing out from it down towards the left. There aren't any, like, glowing orange, blue, or yellow gems in this room, are there? There are not. That's unfortunate. It would be way too easy. Does it look like the hand can hold on to my axe? You can try. I really want the hand to hold my axe so I could sharpen it properly with, while waiting on her to finish her tech magic. All right. Well, can't, can't you just like implement some patience over the next nine minutes? To see <laughs> no, I don't have what? a lot of patience. Just, just like stick it between your legs? Apparently, they don't like this idea, so I'll just sharpen my axe myself. No, I, I don't feel strongly one way or the other. I'm just... <laughs> <laughs> Is the noise distracting to Tabitha, or is her spell able to go on cast uninterrupted? No, she's good. Okay, cool. You do, after casting the spell, pick up on a magical aura. It seems to be resonating from the lower half of the face of the creature. She also gets to know what school. The school of magic is illusion. Ooh, illusion magic. Oh, so does that mean... Okay, so I do report to the group 
that the jaw has illusion magic. So does that mean we need to do like an investigation or an insight to see how it is that this jaw may be deceiving us, what's really there? Do we want to stick our hand in it slowly to see just what happens? If you do that, I'm going to be in the corner. <laughs> <laughs> I'll do it. I'm okay with that. I want to see how this plays I out. I stand in the corner. <laughs> so I'm going to go investigate the freaky gargoyle space. Okay. I'm going to um, get real close to it, too. All right, I'll roll another investigation while I'm real up close. All right. Natural 20. Ooh. All right. You are able to discern that just looking at the mouth of this creature, it's the detail and stonework around the mouth and the jaw is spectacularly detailed. And it's not a leap to think that under the right circumstances, this gargoyle will be able to speak. <gasps> I'm going to take my fist, I'm going to knock on its forehead and go, yo, hey, wake up. What's going on here? There is no response. I'm going to take my hammer and smash its face in. No, Tabitha's <laughs> going to interrupt the action and stick her arm out in front and try to, do we need to do a strength check or anything well, to try to stop him from using the hammer? Given that you are making an attack, I think it's just a matter of whether this gets assessed to the gargoyle or against your armor class if you want to potentially get a spell up and then put yourself in the path of his hammer. Can I move that quickly? Yeah, and you've because throughout this entire interaction, you've kind of been watching Ulfric for a hair trigger, so I think this is a fair response. So I can put a so, spell up first? All right, so what is your attack roll to start? It's a 19. Okay. It means I rolled a 5. <laughs> <laughs> all right, which... Bad. How high can your armor class get with both mage armor and shield? And realistically, you'd only have the time to activate shield. Okay, then with I only know what it is with what says fourteen with mage armor, nineteen with shield. So that'd be a plus five to your AC. But given you'd be starting at eleven, that would take you to sixteen. This will hit you. He would roll for damage, and the gargoyle's not getting hit. That's what you're getting as a benefit out of this. Okay. Okay, but considering I'm a level 20 fighter, if she sticks her arm in front, can I pull the punch? Given how low the roll was, yeah, was yeah I, I think right, you're kind cool. of swinging wildly, and then suddenly there is a pink scaly arm right. right where you were intending to impact. Gray is bludgeoning. Green is lightning. You're taking one lightning damage and 14 bludgeoning damage. So it's 15 total? 15 total, yep. yep. That's not too bad. Easy. It was just <laughs> the first damage. The first damage in our run of Tomb of Horrors was player versus player. <laughs> Good gods, Pinky. What the heck do you think you're doing? This thing could kill things. I know. I've been using it for 100 years. I made it out all right. I knew I was tough enough, and we got to preserve this gargoyle. He has something to say. He can Maybe talk. he just needs to be made to feel comfortable we could try shaking his remaining hands what if he's missing his fourth arm maybe we could reattach that yeah, sh sh is there a way we could like get to what he wants internally so we can get what we need from him you're asking me to validate the feelings of a stone yes statue that's correct Ulfric, could you stick the arm back on him yeah sure boss Ooh. <laughs> Mosh. I'm gonna hit Birdman with it, and then I'm gonna put it. No, okay. I'm gonna put it onto the gargoyle. I'm gonna hold it up to where I think the gargoyle. Squawk. <laughs> Even after some time to uh, trying to reattach it, it, it becomes apparent like there's no good way to get an angle where that thing's gonna come to rest. It would just drop back to the floor again. Hmm. Anybody got glue? Uh, no. Rope? Can I rope it up? Hang on. 
tie the arm back to the gargoyle. <laughs> Start like trying to figure out how to knot knot a rope around the arm and then loop it around the gargoyle to keep the arm there. I can use I, that. That would take a lot of counter leverage, but I've got a good amount of strength. It's the <laughs> knot tying that's going to be a problem. <laughs> I I'm I'm going to cast thaumaturgy. All right, with the intention of doing what? I'll make like a sparkle of showers like in its mouth. Does the magic like trigger anything? It does not. <laughs> Good effort. <laughs> I'm getting frustrated. I, I really want to just bl- knock his block off, but I'll try to get the arm to stick. What do you want for not tying, bud? Slide a hand. Uh yeah, let's do that. Who has 19. good history? I have good history. All right. Uh while the rest of this almost has a borderline Italian Renaissance, this was carved from one stone look, <laughs> there's a stark contrast between that and the arm that has just been hogtied back into place. It's there. It's back to being part of the statue. It just, uh, it looks like that. <laughs> I'm going to take a dagger, and I'm going to poke it in the, little, in, the, in the holes in its hand, like the divots. Okay. Before doing a history check? Yes. <laughs> With a dagger? Yes. All right. You start to see a hand beginning to close. Oh, I take it out. Okay. It comes to rest, tightens up a fair amount for a bit of time, and then opens back up. Wider than it originally was or to its original form? Back to its original um, location. I think we need to find things in this dungeon and give them to the gargoyle. We need to appease like a... What's that called? I would really, like really a, like, like a knock tribute. its head off, though. Yes. How would we know there isn't something important inside its head without bashing its skull open? I mean, we she did do detect magic. You found the... The yeah. teeth, the talking bit. But it can't talk if its teeth, if its mouth doesn't exist anymore. Yes, if the head is gone. How I mean, is it going to talk? It's like you if your head is gone. <laughs> Let's go look for treasures. Right, I like where's the door? I'm tired of the dark we'll, we'll, we'll Do we have coins even in our bag? Could we put coins in its little hands? I have coins. I, have a co- I might have a coin. I don't know that I do, but I'd I, like to I, think I, that I do. I have yeah. at least a bag of 25 coins, if not more. I'm willing to contribute a... Uh, Sure. Well, I'll put a gold piece in his hands. Yep, I'll put a gold piece in. All right. Uh, the hands begin to move, and you do eventually just hear the... As that coin is just crushed into dust, and the hand opens back up. Aww. Gold dust dropping to the floor. So each of you, please subtract one gold coin from your inventory. You know, I don't think it would help us, but part of me does also want to smash the gargoyle now. <laughs> Not Let saying that I'm condoning it. No, but I want to. Well, then let's get out of this room. There's nothing happening in here. Yes, we're to leave. Is there another option for where we can go? Is there? There's a doorway yeah, past the gargoyle, hall, right? A past, there is a hallway past the gargoyle. I'm That's sure correct. our listeners loved hearing us <laughs> around with a gargoyle. <laughs> <laughs> 20 minutes to no avail. Is there any way to go back the way we came? No, that is the one doorway in and out oh. of the room. Oh, goodness. I didn't notice that before. Wait, I don't understand. The you one... got teleported from that archway that he hit the color stones on into this room. What? <laughs> We're going to die in here. Now you're committed. We have onward. Continuing down through the hallway, it angle, it, you go out straight and hang a little bit of a left, and it goes straight on into a corridor. What's your walking order? I will be in front looking okay. for traps. All right. I cool. can be in the middle. And then Ulfric at the end. All right. So you come, Kioth, into this room first. You come into a hallway that has 
walls and tile or the there's all sorts of inlay tiles on the walls on both sides of the chamber both uh to the east and to the west uh there are strength signs and glyphs uh you see humanoid and non-humanoid creatures uh, that are posing in different ways and often holding these uh spheres or these globes that are two-dimensional of course uh but they line the wall like that's one common thread you notice uh very easily studying the walls of this chamber it's like oh there is uh if we start on the wall that you would see coming in uh the far left you see a pale blue orb held kind of over the shoulder of one creature then a silver orb at the feet of another uh beyond that uh, a green one that is being held high overhead and a variety of different colors if you want the colors and the positioning of the orbs you can see i'm happy to give it to you we have come into this chamber and discovered these this art with all these different colored spheres. Uh, as you enter this chamber, you begin to hear a scratching and rustling against the stonework uh, behind, well, at least just initially, you you, given how high your passive perception is, Kioff, you pick up on this scratching sound about 10 feet from you, so on the opposite side of the corridor. A little to your right, close to that gap, that first gap on that side. On the black side? On the blue side. You guys came side. in from the black side. It's on the opposite side. For reference for our listener, we have denoted the west wall and the east wall of this uh, particular corridor with blue on our with so the, blue for east on our dry erase map and then black for west. The gap between uh, which colors? Uh, silver and green, I believe. Oh, okay. That is scratching coming from there. I'm going to go kill it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, Ulfric is approaching the wall. I'm going to th- huck a torch over there first, actually. I play my Pokemon. Wait, can Tabitha Ulfric, see what's you. over there? Yes. Uh, I mean, again, you're hearing something through the wall. Oh, through the wall. Oh, it's outside the wall. Uh, I huck my torch over there anyways. Clatters across the floor. Nothing, nothing standing over there. Or nope. Okay. You can see. Well, there's a torch over there now. I need to light a new one. Let's go examine that wall. Mm-hmm. How are you intending to examine it, and who is getting close to it? Hammer out, axe out. All right. <laughs> like, cool, cool. Just kind of getting close and going, yellow. <laughs> All right. As soon as you get close to that wall, there is just a crush, a crunching sound as a gray stone hand comes through and attempts to grab you. It is followed almost immediately by three other stone hands. I need everybody to roll initiative. Oh my goodness, is this like that scene in the first live-action Scooby-Doo film when Scooby and Shaggy <laughs> are going through the haunted mansion and a wall of meat traps them? And meat. then these, do you know what I'm talking about? The wall sausages trap Scooby and Shaggy oh, yes, against yes. it. Yeah. And then those hands come out the wall. Bah, 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 bah. But stone, that's what I picture anyway. I'm glad that's what you're picturing. I have no clue what you're talking about. You know... I show you. Twenty-seven. All right. <laughs> I told you, man. I'm going first. Uh huh. <laughs> Nine. What is your? Oh, what? I don't need to ask this. Okay. Cool. Cool. Twelve. Good to know. <laughs> All right. So. I'm rolling a lot of fours. Well, that was still good enough for all of you guys to lead the initiative board. Now, the hey. first, now the first problem you're up against is unless you're able to grapple this thing, you can see as stonework falls away, it is a stone gargoyle comparable to the one you previously saw, only this one is very much alive. And 
given the way it's currently positioned, in order for the others to get a shot on it melee and probably not have disadvantage on range, you need to get it into the corridor. Oh, so fine. of your attacks, one of them probably needs to be a grapple. I have advantage on grappling. Right. Creatures of but this. I was just saying, if you stood there and wailed on it, unless you got out of the way, they would not have uh, okay, sight on it, given right. where it's standing. Well, all right. Well, I'm going to wail on it, and then I'll use my last attack to try to grapple it. Okay. So, attack number one with the hammer. All right, go ahead. Four. Yeah. Does a 21 hit his AC? Yes, it does. Good. Go ahead and roll damage. All right. It's going to take five lightning and ten bludgeoning. Hand axe for the offhand. All right. Does a 22 hit its AC? It does. Go ahead and roll damage. Uh, 10 slashing? I don't remember what the hand axe does. I think it's slashing. slashing. Yeah. 10 slashing. All right. That was the first yeah. first attack action. And I get four of those. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. Yeah. Goodness. Hi. <laughs> oh my word. This is what I'm built to do. Yeah, it is. All right. So extra attack. Yeah. Extra attack number two, number yeah. one yeah. of three, because I get one attack and then I get three more, so I have four total. <laughs> oh my goodness. And Good I point. use two weapon fighting, which is why I yep. need to do that much extra damage with the hand axe. There you go. Twenty-one for its AC with All the right. hammer. Very good. Four lightning and thirteen bludgeoning. All right, give me one second, and go ahead and roll your next one. Hand axe, 19 on the die. That hits? Oh, yeah, that hits. 14 slashing. Okay. Next attack, 25. Uh, yeah, that hits. <laughs> uh, 11 bludgeoning and one lightning. That was low. All right. Hand axe. Ooh, does a 17 hit his AC? It does. Oh, man, he's got low AC. 12 slashing. Okay. All right, final attack. I'm going to attempt to grapple. All right. Uh, it's it's opposed strength checks. So it's a 20, dirty. All right, that beats his roll. Cool. I'm going to grapple, and then I'm going to use my movement to drag him out into the middle of the hallway. Okay. That really only will take you. You only need 5 to 10 I count feet to as do a, that. Yeah, it's like I yep. count as a size larger when I'm pulling, mm -hmm. dragging. Yep. You got him out in the middle of the room, which will make it much easier for the next person and up then the initiative. For my offhand, to hit. I'm going to hit yeah. him with my with my hand axe while I've got him grappled. There you go. That's a twenty-three. All right, and he's going to take nine more slashing damage from that. All right. Before. Look at yeah. you go! Distraction. This is what I have designed to do. All right, cool. Ulfric is in his moment. Your fighting style element. is just like it's just like flailing, just <laughs> faster than the eye can process. Even fancy crow eyes. It's it's Groot yes. with the guys in the hallway in the first guard. You're like a, <laughs> you're like Scandinavian Bruce Lee. <laughs> Would Tabitha know right away if they're susceptible to fire damage or cold damage or not since they're stone? Uh, you would know that given that this is a magical gargoyle, there are certain things that it is immune to. Uh, some of the obvious ones would be things like poison. Like, like There are some effects, obviously, that just aren't going to damage it. Otherwise, you would know that most magical effects are probably going to harm it in some way, shape, or form. Okay. Helps with my planning. Yep. Thank and, you. And you are next in the initiative order. So what does Tabitha want to do? Bear so, in mind with whatever you're about to do next, he is currently adjacent to Ulfric. <laughs> I can take it. 
Well, I'm not going to do a breath attack or anything like that. I only got one of those babies for per long rest. Right. So I'm debating between claw attack or fire bolt. So I'm going to cast fire bolt and then I roll my d20 to see if it works. Yep. Spell attack. Do I have to roll my uh... wild magic? No, it's a cantrip. No, oh, that is correct. Yep, yep. That's the other reason to use a cantrip in this situation. So I have six, and then do I get a modifier? Yes, you on? do. I'm trying to remember. I think your spell, it would be six plus six charisma, and I believe it's a plus five, so that is plus 11 to that six, so it's correct. 17, which hits. Woohoo! All right, then I get um, at level 17 and above, 40, 10 for damage. And mm -hmm. so, it's a 20. thank yeah. you. So I take these two, and 40, I take... 40, 10, plus three, yep. I have 11 plus 4 is 15 plus 4 is 19, 19 plus, plus 3, 3 is 22. 22. I'm now hearing the voice of Jack Fenton from Danny Phantom going, hey, I loosened it. How do you want to do this? Oh, wow. <laughs> oh come on. <laughs> <laughs> I should have so dropped the charge. A firebolt. If, if Tabitha, okay, here's a question about dragons. Tabitha, she's got claws, right? If she casts firebolt, nothing's emanating from her hands, right? Yeah, it's like from the sky. Just... It's heavenly. <laughs> Yeah. I yeah. like to imagine her finger gunning it. So she finger guns a fireball at this gargoyle and then boom, zaps him across the chest. He shatters into a million little pieces. All right. Rubble. After this thing gets disintegrated into nothingness uh, by your firebolt spell, you do discover that the one thing that survived was this necklace with gems set into it around its neck. Are the gems in a particular color order that we can investigate? They are 10 gleaming gems made of blue quartz stones. 10 blue quartz gems? Yes. There's a lot of different colors of blue on our spheres on the wall here. Can we I got a bright blue, we got a turquoise, Is it older we got an indigo. Than a century. Hmm? Is this necklace older than a century? Uh, from what you can tell, yes. All right. I know exactly how much it's worth because it, I am an archaeologist. Each of those stones <laughs> is a hundred gold piece in value, so thousand gold for this necklace. Thousand gold. I picked it up. I'm putting it on. It's around my neck now. Take it if you dare. You can have it for now. Can we can it? sort out the treasure at the end. But it's coming out of your share. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness! Okay. <laughs> so you have a necklace and you have a very complicated what room. What was behind the wall that it broke through? It looks like it came through behind it. You do see uh, what looks to be a small like 10 foot by 10 foot just Cage. room of stone mason. Work. No, it, it looks you've seen two types of chambers thus far in this tomb. Those that are almost ludicrously ostentatious in their design with the amount of artwork and frescoes and different painting and art and stonework and treasure chests and all that fun stuff. And then others that are largely left bare. It kind of the chambers within the chambers, as it were. Uh, and this appears to be one of those, a small compartment-esque chamber of largely stone and simple masonry. Hmm. I touch the silver orb on the wall. Okay. Why silver? Just out of curiosity. It's right next to me. Okay. Uh, you do not pick up on any discernible effect from touching the silver orb. The archway is what's at the south end of the chamber. The wall uh, on the north end resembles everything else except for the fact that there's no spheres. Basically, the what I read is kind of an elevated outer portion of it is that archway shape at the end of the room. Mm. And then you, then you have the hallway you came in, that wall that the gargoyle came through, all these spheres and the chamber that you guys came from. And it's, it's just people holding up these spheres? Uh, well, various uh, figures. Uh, again, like some of them... Is any one of them, them gargoyle-like? 
Not that you can discern, no. You think the necklace is important? Can we in vet do a history check of some sort on the necklace? Like, is there writing on it that we didn't notice? Is it... I'll give Birdman my necklace. 27. History on the necklace. If the necklace was significant to one gargoyle, would it be significant to another one? Let's go. I'm going to go put my necklace on the gargoyle. Put it around his neck. All right. No discernible reaction to doing that that you can see. Do we have to pop one Do of the these little... Do the stones look like they'd fit in his little divots? Yeah. Uh, we got to pop the stones. Back. We need to pop no. just three of the stones. <laughs> That's my necklace. I understand. I'm a dragon. I too love treasure. But we got to pop one of the stones. Each like three little stones and give it to this gargoyle yes. if we want anything else. Just pop out three stones. Just pop, just pop three stones. Pop you. <laughs> pop, pop, pop. All right. They are one by one crushed in the enclosed hands of the gargoyle, but it turns its hand and releases the dust onto the floor before returning to its original form. That's the first time you've seen it do that. I scoop up the dust. Okay. You have, I have dust. stone dust in your put inventory. Put the dust in its mouth. It's gem dust. I put it in yeah. its mouth. Uh, no discernible effect. I take the dust back. (laughs) 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 Is it still blue? It's blue dust? I mean, yeah, it was originally blue quartz. uh, I mean, it's powderized. Tabitha grabs the shoulders of the gargoyle and shakes it lightly and says, what do you want from us? (laughs) Any reaction? It's still holding its hands out. Dang it. Oh, wait, do we need to? Oh, shoot. We need to pop four more stones. Yes. I think the fourth stone has to go into the fourth hand. The fourth hand doesn't have a divot. No divot? Yeah, that's correct. There's no divot. That is correct, yep. I'm bad Fine, at puzzles. You know what? I'll just dismantle the whole f- thing. You've got seven stones to work with and a bunch of crap gold. And Do with dust. it what you will. So you're going to continue to cycle gems through. Or three more? No. Put a gem I'm... in its mouth. Yeah, it remains there. Is there anything else that we can investigate in this room that gives us a clue as to what the gargoyle needs, or has that already been done? Like, we've exhausted all resources in the room in which the gargoyle resides. The only time you have seen it move has been to crush an object in its hand, and it did it a little differently when you used the stones. I know. Why don't you two go into the other room and start pressing gold, uh, uh, blue-colored dots, and I'll give it more coins. I mean, gems. Go ahead and make a deception check. <laughs> deception, deception, deception. Uh, it's a minus three modifier for you, I it's believe. It's a minus two modifier oh, okay. for me. And it is uh, 14. <laughs> oh, that's beat, that beats my passive insight. My passive insight is 13. I love your idea, Ulfric. How about I'll stay in here, I'll feed him the gems, and you go press the other dots too, so that then you can protect Birdman. I'll be here. I, I don't like this idea. No, I don't know what to do. I'm going to go press the blue dots. <laughs> Tears. No, I say, so you go back out of the other yes. chamber. No discernible change. Uh, <laughs> oh, that sounded like he's in trouble. You better go check it. <laughs> Am I imagining that Ulfric is going to pocket the stones? Like, is that the worst he's case scenario here? What's that? He's just going to break the gargoyle. Oh, I didn't think about that outcome. Yeah, whatever. Break the gargoyle. I'm tired. I'm going to go in the other room. I'm going to trust you. I'm going to trust Ulfric to make whatever decision he's about to make. I'm going to go with Kioth and go push a bunch of blue circles. I really, really want to bash the gargoyle's head in. <laughs> However, I'm going to give it three more stones. All right. Uh, they are crushed. The dust 
let out as it turns its hand and the hands turn back up. Okay, now I'm going to bash his head in. <laughs> I'm going to bash it. 20. Not All natural. Right. Uh, With the hammer. I mean, it is. You do significant damage to the top half of its head, but everything here is relatively intact in the lower part. I'm going to hit it until it's not. Right. But hit it at least no. one more time. Does okay, anything wait. Happen? No, no, no. Tabitha hears the noise yeah. and she runs back into the room. <laughs> I gave it more gems and it just powderized them. Do you think it wants a kiss like a frog trying to become a prince? Once sure, more? give it a kiss, Pinky. All right. I kiss the gar- gargoyle. No discernible effect. <laughs> Dang it. <laughs> Stupid gargoyle. I, I wander back in. Ooh, dust. I should put that dust in. <laughs> <laughs> we have what? You have four gems left. Four gems left? Uh, Just break a ball at this point. No. We, what have we put? Did we try putting three in the hands and one in the mouth? What's yes. left of the necklace at this at point? At the same like time? The I mean, the, the structure yeah. of it as well, and then the, the four gems you haven't powderized yet. Okay, I'm going to put the structure of it in the fourth hand? Well, the fourth hand's on the ground. It doesn't have a spot. And no, no longer he can, roped oh, it. I mean, I roped well, it up. All right, it is... It is it is technically touching the rest of the gargoyle. Its hand still does not have a spot, and it hangs there by the I, rope. I, I sprinkle the... I'm going to crack that arm that's mm. broken. Yeah. Put a little dust in there. Then, like, put it back. Okay. Like glue. Then let go. All right. I mean, it's still hanging there. No discernible <laughs> effect. <laughs> Okay, fine. I'm going to start loading <laughs> stones and cry. It breaks nine, and after breaking the tenth and its hand turned towards the ground. I scoop up all the dust. Okay, you have <laughs> ten stones worth of gem dust, and its mouth begins to move. Your sacrifice was not in vain. Look to the fourth to find your gain. Could you be more clear? <laughs> no, I'm breaking him. That's a crappy. That's crappy. Uh, I'm smacking him again. I am a DM who doesn't believe in exercises in futility, which probably means I'm the wrong guy to be running this module. But that's okay. So as Kioth interacts with the black stone, you discover an illusory crawlway that is hidden beneath the black sphere. So it'll take some doing for your larger party members to follow after you, but you do have a pathway forward. Let's go. I will. Am I even going to fit in that thing? You can squeeze. Can we tell from the top of the tunnel if there are traps? I was going to say, I'm going to look for traps as I crawl through. Go ahead and give me a dexterity saving throw. Everybody? Just me? Just you. Is this a trap? Uh, Not necessarily, no. Okay. 16. All right. Uh, you just take eight feet of falling damage because there's a little bit of a drop-off <laughs> that you discover <laughs> just from tipping over it. But you will eventually find your way into a, I think, perhaps the largest chamber you've been into this point. 30 feet by 30 feet with three chests in the center of the room. They appear to be affixed to the floor. Uh, one is gold with a plate covering of iron. The center one is silver, also plated over with iron. And the one on the far right is uh, oak bound with, with thick bronze bands. And each is about four feet long, two feet wide, and three feet high. Do we have time for a detect magic? Or would that be futile in a situation? Mm-hmm. I could rest. Yeah, if you wanted to do, yeah, uh, 10 minutes. By all means, do Well, well do you want to do a ritual casting or do you just want to spend the spell slot? 
want to do ritual casting. All right. I'm conservative. So it'll take 10 spells. minutes. All right. Cool, cool. What are you guys wanting to do while Tabitha works on the spell? I'm going to investigate the chests. All right. Which one? The silver one. So the one in the middle? Yeah, sure. Okay. 22. Investigation. Okay. From what you can tell... Well, the, the first thing I will just simply say about this chest from your investigating it is it appears to be unlocked. Like you see the pat, the iron work on the front and you realize, oh, this thing is closed, but not locked. It's a trap. I'm going. Is there is So there is there another doorway out of this room? There does appear to be some winding tunnel works back the way you came. Yes. Like the. This we crawled through. Yes. You but could that's go the only way in. Yes. You could go back that route and potentially zig where you zagged and end up in a different spot i am going to check the walls for secret doors okay hidden doors okay go ahead and roll perception yes 25 all right there does appear to be a small crawl space at the back of the room you see what appears to be given how high your check was uh what appears to be a one-way door from your side so if you were to go back through it, you might not be able to go back through. Okay. Noted. All right. So there's the crawl space we came from and then a one-way door. Yes. Okay. All right. Anything you're going to do, Ulfric, while she's detecting magic? Are, are all of the chests visibly unlocked? Uh, Yes, they are. I'm, I'm going to open the center one. All right. No. That's Hoover. why I'm done detecting magic. All right. Can she's... we say that I'm done detecting magic now? All right. Well, you detect an enchantment on the, the one. no, on the far right one. Inside this uh, chest, you find a clear crystal box that looks to be holding some kind of a ring. Magical ring of metal! I found a magical ring of metal! Right. I found a magical ring of metal! I'm going to run up to Pinky. It's in magic! So you, ah! so, you, so you pulled that box out of the chest? Yes. All right, cool. Uh, remind me what Ulfric's AC is. 20. All right, so that 20. is one hit... Two hits. Ouch, ouch. Three hits. Ouch. Four hits. Okay. <gasps> what? So. <laughs> Wait, is this because Ulfric opened the chest? It is basically, as you pull the box out, it is quickly followed by the release of a dart trap. So. Fair. Yeah. All right. I have resistance to poison. Right. That said, you are only taking uh, 14 piercing damage. Oh, pff. I'm fine. Easy. So four darts come popping out of the chest. And dun, 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 dun. I don't even like flinch. Like, whatever. <laughs> However, uh, that crystal box, by Kioth's estimation, is probably worth around a thousand gold pieces, Ooh. and it holds a <laughs> and it holds a ring of protection. Uh, can I open the box and take the ring? Yes. Can I put the ring on? Uh, sure. And then look up and see if a ring of protection requires attunement. If it doesn't, it's just good for you. If it does, obviously. I've only got one away. magic item attuned to me. Fair. But it takes an hour to attune. Yeah, that's the issue. Y'all are going to hang around and wait for an hour, right? <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, again, you've detected a magical enchantment on the box to the far right, and no one has interacted with the box to the far left. Right. And the box uh, Ulfric opened was the middle one? Yes. What box do you want to look at, Tabitha? Do I sense if the enchantment is dark at all, or just that the enchantment itself exists? Uh... It's not friendly. I'm going to open the first box, the one all the way to the left. All right. Cool, cool. So let me quickly pop open my monster manual, and I need you guys to roll initiative. <laughs> I just crit my initiative. 
Very good. <laughs> you will go first. I was probably going to go first anyways, let's be honest. <laughs> I rolled a three with my initiative bone modifier, so I'm guessing that as whatever this is came out of the box, it just kind of pushed Tabitha back. So you crit. What was your total, Caleb? 23. 23. All right. So you have unleashed a swarm of poisonous snakes. <laughs> Indiana Jones! Why is it always got to be snakes? I mean, it's, it's, it's an ancient tomb. This tracks. So with that, uh, the first person who's going to get a chance to take a swing at these things is Ulfric. So Do I get that might be critic? the only turn of initiative. Uh, n- no. Not really? Okay. So how far away am I, roughly? We're in a theater of the mind, this, given that it's only a 30 foot by 30 foot. Cool. I'm going to throw get the, the hammer at the closest snake and drop a charge. Okay. To unleash a twenty-foot burst of thunder damage for two d12s. That it has to. Will that hit us? Will that hit us? Will that hit us? be fine. It's a DC. No way. He might. <laughs> he DC might not seven. be fine. This is gonna hurt us worse than the snakes. DC seventeen Constitution save for everything within twenty feet of the hammer. Okay. Uh, but first, I have to see if I hit. So. Uh, yeah, does a... Uh, You're going to say 30, it hits. Does yes. a 30 hit? It's, <laughs> yes. actually, it's actually higher than 30, but does a 30 hit? Yes, it does. Cool. So the snake that I hit is going to take... Well, is it several snakes or a swarm? It's creature? a swarm. It's okay. a swarm. Okay, the swarm is going to take five lightning damage and 13 bludgeoning damage. And we have to and do... And then it needs, it needs to make a DC 17 constitution save. So after the ha- the hammer is going to instantaneously return to my hand. Cool. All right, it succeeded. That's unfortunate. It's going to take half damage. I got 18. All right. 19. Okay, you Everyone all saved. Save. take half damage of 2d12 thunder damage. It's 12. 12. So everybody takes six additional thunder damage. Okay. With my evasion, do I take nothing? If I yeah, succeeded? that's correct. Oh, yeah, you would take nothing. So I guess I'll just move up and start smacking the, the horde. All right. Um, so I'll move and offhand attack. Can I Can I still offhand? Yeah, if you're holding Split your weapon. Yep, yeah. cool. Awesome. Offhand attack. <laughs> Crit. Wow. So that's going to be... Double the die. Ulfric ain't messing around with no snakes. I don't like snakes, man. 15 damage from the hand axe. Okay. Second second attack. Full attack. Does a 17 hit them? Yes. Uh, Five lightning and 11 bludgeoning. Okay. Hand axe. Snake jazz. Uh, Higher than 30. 14 slashing. How bad do these things look? Uh, there's not as many snakes as there were. Cool. I guess I'll, I'll just keep live. going. <laughs> um, All right. That's a 19 on the die, so yep. that's going to hit. Five lightning and 13 bludgeoning. Okay. And with that, you have mulched the last of the snakes. <laughs> yeah, like, just... I, I, I forgot to do this when the gargoyle died, yeah. but a creature died within 30 feet of me, so I get soul trinkets. <laughs> you oh, get what? Yeah. I get soul trinkets. Soul what? trinkets? <laughs> what in the world are those? Yes. Since, since I am a phantom rogue, whenever a creature within 30 feet of me dies, I get a token of some kind. We can either roll for it or the DM can decide what it is. That has the essence of that creature's soul in it. And I can Gross. do fun things with them. Does Gargoyle give him a soul trinket since it was a construct? Mm. Just as a creature. I'm yeah. assuming it's a construct. Yeah. So can we go open the other one? No, I don't know, man. I'm going to go open the other one. Come on. Let's so do, do I get okay. one soul trinket from that swarm? Or I can have uh, up to six. Yeah, I think... <laughs> We've had two encounters, so two. 
I want to open the scary chest. Or I want to sit down and attune my ring for an hour. Take your pick. Chest. Aha, Pinky's with me. <laughs> All right. You open it. You open it. You, you have a higher. It. Do we know? Like, do, would we? Would our characters know who is healthier between the two of us? I saw I you take four poison darts, and you didn't move. <laughs> All right. And you didn't uh, move after them four poison darts. So I think you had ought to open it, Ulfric, and I'll stand behind his backup. So Ulfric opens it. Fine. I, I will need you guys to roll initiative once yes. again. Yes. I got four this time. <laughs> Twenty-eight. Fifteen. <laughs> <laughs> that oh. alert feet, man. It's great. <laughs> All right. Plus so, 10 year so we will go Ulfric, followed by Kioth, followed by the creature you summoned, followed by Tabitha. Be something bad. Be something nasty. Uh, a giant skeleton has been teleported into the chamber. Oh, Very cool. Funny. It is huge. It is bigger than all of you. Like the kinds you put in your yard that you steal <laughs> from a home depot. <laughs> Those were like legitimately disturbing. Like, they're just freakishly large. They uh, are. It's weird. It is moving into attack. That said, thanks to the feats that you guys have in the very high initiative rolls, uh, Ulfric still goes first. <laughs> I'm going to break it. Cool. Uh, am I within melee range? Yes. Cool. Uh, first first attack. Does a 20. Yes. Yeah, cool. Awesome. <laughs> 10 bludgeoning and 3 lightning. All right. Offhand. Does 18 hit its AC? It does. Oh, yeah. 10 slashing. Okay. Attack 2. Does a 17 hit its AC? Just hits. Oh, nice. I'm going to drop a charge on that. Okay. So it's going to need to make a DC 17 constitution save. Okay. All of us? Uh, are we all within 20 feet of it? Given how big the room is, yeah. I have to make a constitution yeah, saving throw. Yeah, you guys throw. too. I don't, because it doesn't affect me. Did you fail? 17. Oh, you matched. I got 13. You failed. That's unfortunate. So the only uh, the only creature in this chamber that failed that save was Tabitha. Gosh darn it. Yeah. And you I, know. I'll stop doing this. Friendly fire. Two two times so far this session. Three, okay, actually. So Three. he's going to take six lightning damage. All right. What about me? Uh, 14 bludgeoning damage. And seven. And this is all from the charge. That, like, nope. That's just from the weapon. Oh, oh, okay. So, okay. What's from the weapon? The six lightning and 14 bludgeoning. And then it's everybody who failed the save or succeeded is going to take 17 thunder damage. Halved if you succeeded. If you failed, you are stunned until the end of my next turn. Are you oh. kidding me? <laughs> it's supposed to hit the skeleton. <laughs> We're too close to be doing this. The Also, uh, Kioth and the skeleton both have evasion. So the only person you took out of the combat with that was Tabitha. Oh. <laughs> All right, last attack. All right, so 20 plus negative yeah, um, <laughs> something negative a lot. Uh, six thunder. I mean, sorry, six lightning and 14 bludgeoning. Okay. Final offhand attack. 18 does hit. Yes. <laughs> nice. Uh, nine slashing. For those of you listening at home, please tell me how many how much damage I just did in that turn. Hundred. Hundred <laughs> And hurt feelings. <laughs> you know, I'm not worried about your feelings, Pinky. Skeleton I'm to break the skeleton. Skeletal you creatures. Be, it's gonna affect how I make decisions throughout the rest of this whole gambit. She has fireball. Uh, <laughs> skeletal creatures generally have a vulnerability to bludgeoning damage, so <laughs> Oh, does it? Yes. <laughs> 
Oh, right. Cool. Uh, who's up next? Uh, Kioth. Probably not followed by the creature realistically, but we'll see how Kioth does. I'm going to run up to it and draw my cane sword. All right. And I will slash this yep, man. Yes, it hits because it's like a 30-something. Yeah, it hits. <laughs> and because Ulfric is adjacent to it, sneak attack. Yeah. <laughs> 10 d <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to make you count that up. <laughs> no, 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 I want to know. I want to know. Calculating. 52. Holy cow. damage. Yeah. Uh, how do you want to do this? <laughs> I'm just going to, I'm going to cut him at the joints. Okay. I'll cut his legs off, cut his arms off and cut his head off. All right. We have had two combats in which the... two players have taken turns <laughs> and no enemy has taken an attack. Welcome to level 20 play. <laughs> Goodness. Yeah, but these are all like weak enemies. Uh, yeah, I know. He was a better challenge rating than the uh, Gargoyle, but still. Goodness. And I get his show. Yes, you do. All right. Cool. You get his what? You're up his soul. <laughs> Pinky, your ears ringing over there. Yes. All right. Well, around we'll go by and she'll be unstunned. Emotionally, I'm stunned. What's in the <laughs> chest? What's uh, in the box? What's in the box? Oh, right. It was that giant skeleton enchantment. That was the only That's thing it? in there. Yeah. Oh. The treasure was in the middle one, and then you guys unleashed the two creatures anyway. I'm going to sit down and pout for an hour. <laughs> well, So that friends, I become attuned to my ring. I have... Right, we're going to wait an hour? Short rest. I would like to. <laughs> okay. Yeah, you can spend hit dice. All right, friends. That was, that was more high-pitched than normal. Um, I found a secret door here that we could go through it might be a one-way trip we might not be able to come back but you could probably just break the door down Ulfric. so you want me to try i say we go that way because back the way we came is just the the hallway with colored circles that we don't know what to do with i agree with birdman do you want me to try to break it down well if we have to come back this way we can go through it no problem i want to go through it let's just go through it let's go through the door okay so, continuing on through the tunnels, you see what is obviously some form of temple area. There are scenes of normal life painted on the walls, but the people have rotting flesh, skeletal hands, worms eating them, and so forth. Yet there are also depicted various religious symbols of good alignment. There's a mosaic path leading between four rows of wooden pews that face the worship area. In front of the pews, a wooden railing divides the room. South of it is an altar in front of a tiered dais on which sits a wooden chair. Hey, what did that creepy poem at the very beginning say about a throne? If you find the false, you'll find the true. And into the columned hall you'll come, and there the throne that's key and keyed. Is it scratched anywhere? Let's the look at it. I will check for traps. <laughs> All right. On the, the dais. So the chair is nicely carved and padded, but seems unremarkable. On either side of the dais are large, freestanding, large brass candelabras, each holding five white candles. In each corner of the southern wall is a large white pottery urn, stoppered with a brass and wood plug. Sprawled on the floor and near the west wall is a human skeleton in black chainmail that is badly rusted and damaged. The skeleton's outstretched arm points to a stone archway set in the wall. The opening is filled with opaque, bright orange vapors. And are there three, One of those like, two-colored things and a keystone on the arch? Uh, no, not based on that description. And the vapors are orange this time? That is correct. I cast Detect Magic. The altar at the end of the room in front of the chair is giving off an aura of you're not able to get much past just 
a divine magic source of some kind. And beyond that, obviously a magical source from the archway. Are they different? Are they both divine? Both the archway and the chair? There's not really, you're not getting any kind of an aura detected on this chair. It's the altar. Yes. Is there anything on the altar? It glows with a strange opalescent blue light. That said, beyond that, you're not really seeing anything particular on the surface of the altar, no. Can I investigate the altar for, like, hidden compartment? Uh, sure. 15. How do you interact with the altar as you search it? I don't know. I touch it. All move right. It. Cool, cool. Can I move it? I need it you move? I need you to make a dexterity saving throw. Oh, gross. Ah. Oh, really bad. Really, really, really bad. That one over yeah, here? Like bad, bad. Okay. What was it? Yeah, it's a one. <laughs> Ouch. I wasn't ready for that. If it if it's any kind of thing with surprise, I can't be surprised. <laughs> it's going to help you in an offhand way because you're about to get targeted by a lightning bolt spell. <laughs> oh, hey, thanks. <laughs> get all my charges oh, back. My, my I'm glad you touched it, Ulfric. All right, how much damage does lightning bolt do? Well, that's the thing. So it's a lot, here. actually. Yeah. Correctly. You want me to give you back one of the that nope. healing potion you lent to me? I'll give you a little massage. You take 36 lightning damage. Oh, okay, I'm going to react by uh, <laughs> spending a regen die. No. But that'd be funny. <laughs> and regenerate 10 of those, so 26 lightning damage. Right. Are the candles lit on these braziers? Uh, they are not. The, no, the light you have is, once again, uh, any lit torches that you carry, as well as the dark vision of Tabitha coming through for you in the scenario. I will light the candles. All right. Uh, you have more light to work with, uh, though there is no other additional discernible effect from the candles. I'm going to go sit on one of the pews and short rest it up until they are done searching the room. All right. Uh, there are, let me make sure I get I assume I'm smoking. There are four rows of pews. Where are you sitting? I don't know, front and center, I guess. Okay. So I am going to roll for an effect. And if it's a four through six, Ulfric didn't trigger anything. If it's a one through three, he did. I rolled a three. All right. So I need everybody to make a constitution saving throw. Everybody. I I got that in the bag. I got 11. Now 20, 11 for Tabitha. 23. Okay. So (laughs) uh, (laughs) this is starting to feel like uh, Fury of Dracula in some ways because, Stephen, you keep on triggering unpleasant effects and Larissa, you keep getting caught in the blowback. (laughs) In this case, uh, it is a gas trap. So for two rounds, a character that's caught in the gas must succeed that saving throw if you don't your character is poisoned for 48 hours. Oh, God. I resist poison. Right. But that means your sorcerer now has disadvantage across the board. I do now or unless I... Yeah. So poisoned is disadvantage on attack rolls and ability checks, so not saving throws. But the first two still really suck. Attack (laughs) rolls and ability checks. Disadvantage because you're poisoned for 48 hours. That said... You have spells that cause your opponents to make saving throws, which would come through at full. So, That's fair. Yeah. Or we could just camp out here. Just sleep it off for two hours? years. For two days? <laughs> I mean, why I've not? Got we rations. have rations. Um, I got a bedroll. I got travel rations. 
Yeah, I was going to say, before things get any worse in this room, uh, Keoth, do you want to roll a perception check? Sure. 32. Okay. So after the... Uh, <laughs> after the first pew unleashed a gas trap, you check the rest of them, and this is just almost mind-blowing in its, uh, how disproportionate it is. In the back pews, you find 4,000 silver pieces. What? <laughs> and in the... In row three, you find 3,000 Electrum pieces. Holy and cow. in row two, you find 2,000 gold pieces. So if I had just sat literally anywhere else. Yeah. Because <laughs> <laughs> uh, it was meant to be. <laughs> I think those rewards almost feel like Gygax thought everyone was going to be dead by that so point. So 4K silver. 4K silver, 3K electrum, 2K gold. Did I find anything else in this room? So <laughs> as you inspect the eastern wall opposite of the archway near uh, the body, there is a small slot with the letter O faintly traced above it. Yes, there is. I will feather dust this body clean. Okay. Please uh, remind all of us what the effect is so, that happens when you use that feather duster. I get to know the race, age, name, and manner in which this creature died. Give me each of those qualifiers in order, and I will give you good answers. Race. All right. That, this creature was originally a half-elf. Age. Uh, that half-elf was around uh, 37 years old. Name. Uh, that half-elf's name was Jarl. And the manner in which it perished. A life drain effect from a demi-lich. Demi Lich, Demi Lich, we can fight him. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, you. I'm gonna take, <laughs> I'm gonna take one of its molars out. Okay. Catalog all that information in my little journal. Okay. Put, put that away. You all popped right. one of its molars. Yep. Did you just take a tooth? Yeah. What are you, the tooth fairy? No, I am a cataloger of the dead. <laughs> I could talk to it. What? To the tooth. No, the the, the, the the dead man, Tuyarl. Really? Yes, I could speak with dead. Commune with the dead? I could cast you speak with dead. We'd get five questions. Who are you? We already know, know that. that. Yeah. What's, where's the treasure? Where's the lich? How do we get to him? Yes, I, I'll do that. I will expend three charges from my feather duster. How many charges? <laughs> I have 15 charges. <laughs> uh, and I will cast Speak with Dead. On okay. I and it's five questions? That's what it says. Okay. Very good. Take it away, Birdman. Where can we find the Demi-Lich? Yarl. All right. <laughs> it can only answer... It only knows what it knew in life. It doesn't have to tell the truth. Yeah. But... If you be so misfortunate, he may come to you. Where is the treasure? <laughs> the treasure hoard of the Demi-Lich lies deeper in this tomb, growing ever larger as more come and die. <laughs> How can we get to the treasure? If I had known that, I would not have fallen here. Or Ben moved here. Did you, like, not die here? Well, he only answers to me. Where did you die? <laughs> I fell in this room, but was placed 
and to and he's he's close to the archway at the opposite end of the room, opposite of from that hole. The one with the orange stuff. The orange yes, vest? that is correct. That's what he says. Yes, I was killed in this room, but placed here. Yes. Well, we know what killed him. I already know that. You have asked four questions. Yeah. How do we leave Sorry, this Steven. chamber? So you watch as the skeletal hand extends forth and does a quick flip upward with the thumb. I look up. Hey, do you think that slot in the wall, you could put a coin in it? We've that got kinda, lots of coins now. Kind of look like, <laughs> kinda look like a coin flip. <laughs> sure, here's a gold piece. Go put it in for me, lad. What am I? <laughs> Your valet? I'm going to go see if the coin, gold piece fits in the slot in the wall. You're my hired muscle. <laughs> Are you putting a coin into that slot? Yes. Upon putting a coin into the slot, a large block of stone moves aside. Yay. All right. As I say, it kind of looked like he was flipping a coin. And reveals a corridor leading towards a set of stairs when you turn right. I would look for traps. So eventually you find a 10-foot wide corridor as you continue down, and there is a doorway ahead of you. It stands... Again, hewn into the stonework after you've covered roughly 40 feet of ground. I got a 25 to look for traps as we were All right. going along. You first discover that uh, the doorway ahead of you can be pulled open rather than being pushed open. Good to know. And beyond that, you don't see any other signs of traps on the side of the door. I pull the door open. All right. You see... Flattening myself against one of the walls. <laughs> you... Upon pulling open that door, you see what looks like one of the pit traps that you would have encountered in the first hallway. So if someone had just bashed through or broken through the door, they would have then immediately dropped. Oh. But you were able to discern that it was pull. So can we get across it? How wide is the pit? Uh, the pit is 10 feet. Can we jump that far? Tabitha. Can I fly? <laughs> you can fly. You can probably jump that distance yeah, really I, easily. You carry me. Okay. Yes. <laughs> All right. You. Cool. So... This is okay. where this uh, dungeon might get a little monotonous as you see another stone door that also looks like it can be pulled open. <laughs> do, I need, do I need to jump it? Do you need me to even roll for that? Should we look for a trap first? Do, or is that what the, what the looking has how been? How far is the... How big is this? We're in another hallway now? So, you know, it's the same hall. This door is literally... It's just a door to a pit trap and then the hallway goes on. Yes. So you had doorway, pit trap, another 10 feet, and then another door. Do you want to open this one, Ulfric? I'm going to grab the door, pull it towards me so that whatever is behind the door, would, the door will be between me and whatever is on the other side of it. Like, So I'm using the door as a shield. Smart. Right. Uh, once again, the doors pull. There is nothing that comes through it, and you do see another pit waiting for you on that side of the door. Yep, jumping over it. I grab a Kioth once again. All right. Take a little flight. All right. You have... One more door in front of you. And <laughs> it also looks it. like it's pull. All right. Uh, no discernible effects, and you do see a pet on the opposite side. They got real uncreative in this hallway. <laughs> it's the same trap in three three in a row. You know, if the first one doesn't get you, you know what That's they say. True. Try, try again. <laughs> I grab Kioth again, and we hop over that little pit. Yep. Should we detect traps before we do that, or is it too late now? We're already over. <laughs> Jumping over door or pit number three. Jumping over pit number three. All right. And you carry on. You continue through the corridor and eventually find a right-hand turn that leads to a very long hallway that takes you up uh, towards the north if you have your bearings correct. And at the end of it is a thick wooden door ahead of you that is heavily bound with iron bands, and there are several locks keeping it shut. Is this door trapped? Is the hallway trapped? 
32. Let's see. That was for the door, not the hallway. Yeah. <laughs> All right. You hear the sound of music and happy singing, obviously coming from the other side of the door. Siren? Ooh, possibly. Mead Hall. A what? Is it locked? Yes. It's possible. A what? Mead. And I didn't find any traps? Mead? No. Mead. I Mead? To pick oh. Mead wine. All right. Ooh. Good things. Wait, we get to the door, no problemo? Yep. Good for All us. Right. Mm-hmm. I can always just break it down if you want. Uh, I mean, if you want to try that first, go ahead. No, I'd rather you didn't. Pick the lock. 27? You have no luck in opening the store. Ooh. Cool, I'm going to break it down. All right, go ahead and roll I'm attack. cast detect magic first. Can go I do it. that? Yeah, of course. Wild magic. Okay, cool. So if I cast detect magic, that means I drop my level one spell slots down to three. All right. We will, yeah, but go ahead and roll your 2d10s. And you also are detecting an aura of abjuration magic around the door. What does that mean? I don't remember what that is. 26. Okay, 26 on the wild magic table. Let's find out what is about to happen. Crazy times. (laughs) You said 26? 26? 26. (laughs) Okay, so. Am I a potted plant? Unfortunately, no. Am I unpoisoned? (laughs) Also, no. Dang. So, for the next minute, you watch as a third eye opens on Tabitha's forehead. Cool. I'm going to move this so I can read this. During the next minute, you have advantage on wisdom checks that rely on sight, which just means you have straight rolls because of the poison effect. <laughs> For a minute. Okay. We can see better. Abjuration is a school of magic that deals with protective spells and the suppression of others' magic. Hit it, Ulfric. I'm going to smack the door. All right. With um, my hammer of thunder. Do you think it might smack you back, what with the protection spell? 28. Let's find out. Uh, that hits. Go ahead and roll damage. Woohoo. All right. I'm going to save us some time. I know eventually you could just wail on this door. Once you do 100 hit points of damage, you will break it down. That's 14. Let's just just, just keep it straight damage. That's 20. Mm-hmm. How, much, how high do I need to roll to hit it? It didn't give me an AC. It just said it has 100 hit points. I think and usually, the, usually the base is 10. Yeah. Okay, so do I even need to roll? So no. Long as I don't cool. I will do 100 damage worth of <laughs> to this door. Yeah, it will take what, me about of- five attacks. Yep. Yeah. Easy enough. All right. So just... As the door falls, you hear noises of distress. So Wait, the singing turns to distress? You hear some sort of creature crying out further onward. Aww. What do we see beyond the door? Beyond the door, you see the corridor continuing onward. As you continue forward, what's your marching order? Obviously, you broke down the doors. It was Ulfric leading the way. All right. You get about 30 feet before your passive perception would pick something up I say to Kioth you start to feel the floor is tilting oh. we're slanted we're on a slanted floor yes indeed like uh, it's moving or just it's a decline uh, like it is starting to move and turn into a decline is it on a run. tilty thing like do we think Forward if we walk backwards, backwards? Forwards, run right. So I need, well, you now start to see the end of the hall, a, a spell effect ends. You see the end of the hall. You also begin to feel an extraordinary amount of heat as the hallway continues to dip. Run! <laughs> <laughs> Do 
Tabitha, carry me. All right. So I pick up Kiyoth. All right. I need everybody to roll initiative because it, that it says that how this rolls, how this plays out. So twenty-seven. Okay. Seventeen. Okay. Twenty-three. Good. So you all get to act before this goes off. You can attempt to scramble back the way you came, and it requires a successful athletics check. Or? Uh, yes. Or? Or two successful checks if using the dash action. So I need... Back the way we came. What if we want to go forward? There's not really a way forward, which you can now see. Back the way we came. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So athletics check uh, from Ulfric. 16. All right. Yep. You succeed. Cool. All right. You ain't ever seen a big man move that fast. <laughs> All right. Am I rolling for both myself and Kia? Given he's on your back, yes. I have to roll twice? Yep. Okay. 13 on the first one with plus nine modifier. <laughs> all right. We got 10. 10 okay. Though. Crit fail, but 10. Crit fail. So, all right. <laughs> oh, gosh. So, Did you two just die? I can fly, though. But if I can fly, right. does it yeah. matter? Yeah, that's actually where the only character who really needs to pass this, given you have a fly speed, is Ulfric. Oh. So, go ahead and give me another athletics check. 24. So you two do manage to make it back to the door as the floor eventually has With completely Kia. turned. Yes, all three of you make it back. Yay. And you avoid falling into a pit of lava. <laughs> oh, gosh. Lava? A volcano nearby? Yeah. That's true. If you die, we can just bring you back here. Yeah. Goodness. I mean, I could just right. throw you off the edge if you want. You can die and we can bring you back. Not right now. Oh, okay. Uh, so this was the end of the way we went? There's yes. nothing here? Nope. So you got to go back the way you were. All the way right. back. All the way back yes. to the room. Jumping the over the pitfall. As you reach to the fir- as you reach the first pit, Kiath, I will let you roll a perception check. The first pit returning or the first pit first being pit encountered. Re- first pit returning. So the third one you encountered. Twenty thirty three. Sorry. Very nice. You determine that from within the pit, if you had fallen into the third one, that there is a section of wood that was painted over to look like stone. That is, in fact, a secret doorway. At the bottom onward. of the pit? Uh, within the pit. You don't have to fall too far down. But you would have noticed it if you had been in the pit, which by the time that trap became as monotonous as it was, you guys actively avoided. All right, so we continue on. You continue on through a secret door. As you descend down the stairs, you're checking for traps. Did you just roll that perception check? Yeah, 25. Very good. That is high enough and in the exact right timing to discover that while there's an obvious stairway leading down into a corridor here, there's also a secret door along the stairway to the left. Ooh, secret door. Okay, every normal way we've gone has been a dead end. It's only the secret doors that work. Can't argue with that logic. All right. Hello, boys and girls. Would you like to hear about the laboratory and mummy preparation room? All <laughs> right. So after Is that you- where we are? Yes. So Gross. after you go yes. through this secret door, down a hallway, hang a right, and then come to this next chamber... Uh, you find that all the walls are lined with shelves, and upon these are old jars filled with dust and all sorts of ingredients. How's Kiyot There's a large desk hey, and hey, stool, hey, just, two just... workbenches, two mummy preparation tables, clay pots and urns on these tables, and the floor obviously once contained uh, ointments, oils, port perfumes, and the like. Uh, linen wrappings are in rolls or strewn about. There's dried herbs of an unidentifiable nature, bones, skulls, and the like littered around the workbenches. All right, start cleaning, clean. So lady. there's lots of bodies, you were saying. Right. Yes, there's also vats in this room, uh, three vats that are about seven feet in diameter, uh, four feet in depth, uh, that contain murky liquids. I Acid. 
take out my duster and I start dusting. All right. <laughs> Tell me the name of every dead person. Tim, Bob, just Larry, any, any Bill. relevant information. All right, cool, cool. Susie, so Lisa. <laughs> this is the part where you go to Scrubs the musical and just pull up the Dr. Cox rant where he just lists all the girls' names at JD because that would be the quantity, although obviously wide range of species and gender. I would say you I probably. Love Dr. Cox. He's yeah. my favorite character. Oh my gosh. I'm just curious to get a sense of how you're processing this. Can you give me a wisdom saving throw? Because you just took in a whole lot of disturbing information all at once. I do that on the regs. (laughs) That's why the DC isn't too high. 26. Okay, yeah, you're fine. (laughs) Dude, you are like actually demented. I am not. I just catalog dead people. You just learned the horrific and horrifying ways that umpteen trillion people just died. And you're completely... 30 people, and you're completely fine. Yes, I write them down in my little book. I tell my God about them. You're depraved Your God? and demented. Yeah, he's the God of death. Oh. And that just makes you scarier. Mm, just wait till I steal your soul. I am going to once again allow Kioth to make a perception check. I am a DM who enjoys seeing his players succeed, uh, and this module 25. is not intended for that. You realize that as much as you don't like this feeling coming over you. You feel like there might be something important in the vats. And it's just a matter of how you interact with them or how you dump them out or drain them or interact with them. Oh, freak. <laughs> <laughs> I could use your assistance. <laughs> All right. What do you want? I'm going to stick my hand in one of the vats. No! How much is that going to hurt me? Wait, you're immune to poison. Is, would this be Yeah, this is probably acid. I'm betting acid. <laughs> All right. Oh, no. So, There's got to be a better way. There are Okay, from where you came in. He heals. There is a vat on the right, a vat in the middle, and a vat on the left. Which one are you going with? One, two is the left. Three, four is the middle. Five, six is on the right. The one on the right. Right mm. was what I was hoping for in my head, so I am glad. Whoa, convergence on right. The one on the right uh, appears to just be holding dirty water. Oh, Never not mind. bad. Is there any, I don't know. I'm going to stick my head in it and look around. Do I see anything? Uh, no, you do not. There's nothing is it because he doesn't have dark vision, or is it because there's nothing in there? Go ahead and roll the perception just to confirm. But uh, 20... Six. Yeah, really just old water. Gross. Nothing. Gross. Yeah. I take it. I pull my head back and shake out my long blonde locks and push stuff out of my beard. <laughs> All right, middle one. All right. I stick my hand in it. All right, cool, cool. Uh, Left hand. Very good. You take six acid damage. Ouch. All right. Yank my hand back. All right. Is he able to tell if no, there's anything in there? No, I'm going to react by just expending a regeneration die. Okay. If I have a spell to summon a ghost, summon warrior spirits, can the ghost go in and look? I suspect he could. He pulls his hand out of the vat, and it's like blistering from acid. And then as he then as he holds it up in front of him, it literally just, the acid drips off like water would, and his skin grows right back. And looks, you know, within like 30 seconds, his hand looks completely normal again. Well, I have a solution to help us find what's in this thing without you melting your hand off, then regrowing it, then melting your hand off, then regrowing it, etc., etc. So I am going to cast Summon Warrior Spirits. It is a level three spell. Oh, I'm going to drop down my spell slot here. So yeah, what's some, do I need to read the whole magic. thing, Ben? We get the. How long does it last? 
One hour, but it's a concentration spell up to an hour. Yeah, we do have to roll wild magic. These two. Oh, I'm, I'm sorry. I didn't set that up clearly. We have to roll wild magic. Wild magic. <laughs> oh, <for laughs> <laughs> 79 okay that might not be either bad illusory butterflies and flower petals flutter in the air within 10 feet of you for the next minute Aww. <laughs> yay again I have a pink dragon <laughs> with, with butterflies and flowers ah! floating around hey her. at least it wasn't a one way trip to the fire plains <laughs> yeah my my dragon is so happy <laughs> wild okay. magic so with this, I call for a warrior spirit from the legendary deck of many things. It manifests in an unoccupied space that I can see within range. The corporeal form uses the warrior spirit stat block. And when I cast the spell, I get to choose a type of warrior, a barbarian, fighter, or monk. Team, do we think barbarian or monk? I don't think it matters. You're going to stick him in acid. Tell him but he's going to be stuff. able to do other stuff. Barbarian. <laughs> <laughs> Dex guy goes with Dex. Strength guy goes with strength. Okay. Roll if it's for it. Odd, <laughs> odd monk, even barbarian. It's a monk. Okay. Oh. Alrighty. The warrior resembles a humanoid armed appropriately to the chosen class, which determines certain traits in the stat block. The warrior disappears when it drops to zero hit points or when the spell ends. It's an ally to us. It shares my initiative count, but it takes its turn immediately after mine, should we get into combat. It obeys my verbal commands. No action required by me. And if I don't issue any, it takes the dodge action and uses its move to avoid danger. So at higher levels, when I cast this spell using a spell slot fourth or level or higher, the creature assumes the higher level for that casting whenever it uses that spell's level in the stat block. I think there are elements of that stat block that are bigger if you cast it at a higher level. So, like, if you wanted a stronger warrior spirit, you would use a higher level spell slot. Is it too late for me to say I want to cast it at level four? I'd let you bring it up, bump it up level if you want to. I'm going to bump it up to level four. Okay. And I'm going to name it George. <laughs> now that I have George, the warrior spirit, I ask George to dunk his head into the second, was it the center? center. The center, center bat. bat. And see what's in there. Okay. And report back. Cool, cool. He will take some acid damage. But he's a spirit. Yes, he is. Isn't he incorporeal? Uh, is corporeal, our corporeal forms impervious to acid damage? Look at the stat block. Does he have resistance or immunity to acid damage? No immunity to acid. All right. So he takes 11 acid damage. However, he finds what looks like, based on the half metal shape that you can see and the teeth at the end of it, Half of a key. All right, Georgie boy, go jump in the other bag. <laughs> Here's the thing with uh, Georgie here. He's only got 19 HP, so do we want to... He'll be fine. I don't well, what's know. the second? Stick your hand in. Yeah, stick your hand in oh, the right. first uh, one. Great. The one on the left. I'll All stick right. my hand into the, the, the only remaining bat. <laughs> All right. How much damage am I taking? You are taking... What's, what's your AC? 21. You are taking no damage, but you definitely get the sense that something in there just took a swipe at you. Can I push it over? Sure. The vat? Yep. Cool. I'm going to do that. All right. Go ahead and roll a strength check. With advantage, baby. 18 on the die, so 23. So this vat just, you f whatever was affixing it to the floor just snaps and breaks under the pressure before capsizing. 
uh, and spills out an uh, alligator. No, a uh, golden, a golden yellow. It spills out an okra jelly, a large ooze. I need everyone to roll initiative. Oh crap! <laughs> Oozes are bad. <laughs> Natural twenty. All right. You're not going to believe this. Another natural 20. Yeah. <laughs> My initiative bonus is higher than yours, baby. That's true. I'm going first. 18. Well, me and George he, are 18. Given he got to surprise you, at least this uh, enemy got to make an attack. Let's <laughs> say he doesn't get to surprise me, actually. I have alert, but it's okay. You also just made contact. I know. It's fine. Yeah. <laughs> I touched it. Yes, exactly. All right. Cool. So starting hit points, his dex, I believe, is higher than yours. Unless I have alert. My initiative is a plus 10. So Ulfric but my dex is also a plus five. Followed so, like, by Kiath, mm, followed so by Tabitha anyway. and the warrior. Then the jelly, who realistically is probably not going to get a turn, but let's see how this goes. So Ulfric, you are in melee range with this jelly. I'm going to swing with my offhand first to see what kind of bad things happen to my weapon when I touch this thing. Does a 21 hit it? Uh, yes. Okay. What's it doing to my axe? It's not doing anything to your axe, but it's going to spend its reaction to split, and there's now two jellies. <laughs> and the jelly that I hit takes uh, nine slashing damage. All right. I'll hit it with the hammer. Does a 20 hit its AC? Yes. It's going to take five lightning damage and ten bludgeoning damage. So you guys watch as Ulfric takes a swing at this and it immediately splits into two different forms. Uh, one of them definitely took a shot. Uh, with the hammer, but the axe, from what you can tell, was unsuccessful other than just in cleaving it in two. What cool. is the lightning I'm gonna, power? I'm going to I'm gonna the stick hammer? the hand axe into my belt, and okay. I'm going to use... I'm just going to two-hand the, the hammer Okay. to to get an addition, to bump the damage dice up. Okay. Because it's a versatile weapon. Okay. So now we're rolling D8s, baby. And so, second attack. First one in front of me. 23. Yes. Okay. Five lightning and 14 bludgeoning. Okay. Third attack. All right. That first, u- the first ooze that remained has been s- completely splattered. Cool. I'm going. The third attack's going after its buddy. Yep. <laughs> 21. That hits. Uh, six lightning and nine bludgeoning. All right. Final attack. Uh, um, 17. To hit? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Eight lightning and eleven bludgeoning. All right, this one's still up, which means someone else gets a turn. Uh. Kioth, what you want to do? <laughs> There's one up. Yes, There's one up. But it's next to him. Yes, it is. I will run up and, and stab sneak, it <laughs> and sneak attack. <laughs> uh, does a twenty-two hit? Uh, yes. You know what jellies don't have? Armor class. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think it's. I'm, so yeah. many. <laughs> it's just so many d sixes. Yes. <laughs> All right. Seeing as it had two hit points remaining, it is dead. All, All right, right. So we have half of a key. And you find the other half in the vat that the jelly was in. Ah, figures. Right. We have a key. We solder the key How together. How do we put the key together? Anybody have a welding kit? They actually join together and form one solid key as soon as those parts are in proximity. Ah. Woohoo. Oh, cool. Do we see the lock? There's a door, right? That doesn't mean they fit into something in here. There is a pathway out of this room that leads uh, out and then down another flight of stairs. Down sounds good. All right. Sure. Traps. Cool, Traps. Cool. All right. 25. I rolled a two again. <laughs> so eventually you do discover uh, further down the hallway another pit spike or a pit spike trap uh, in the length ahead of you. That said, 
your perception check was more than enough to discover the pressure plate for it, which can be wedged shut with a dexterity check using thieves tools. DC on this is quite high, but I know how high you're. Not 20. That'll do it. Woohoo! Yep, cool. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Kioth was designed to beat the Tomb of Horrors. <laughs> yes. And, and, and Ulfric was designed to beat every, every combat in the, Tomb of in the Tomb of Horrors. Tabitha was designed for fun. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and we're three for three. Oh, my goodness. All right. Cool. All right, I made that remark um, when mm-hmm. Ben was texting me about everyone's characters i was like it is kind of funny everyone made a character that was like based on their personality <laughs> <laughs> yeah okay you eventually find your way to the agitated chamber this room appears to be filled with funerary offerings and furniture there are four rotting sofas a couple of throne-like chairs a jumble of stands small tables and vases and urns that are dented chipped and broken only the rather plain tapestries hanging on the east and west walls appear to have been spared of rough looting Amid the general havoc are scattered several trunks and a large number of coffers. Why oh. we will search them. Oh, well, do we need to look for traps first? Yeah, I, I don't look, trust it. I look for traps. <laughs> 30. So <laughs> I need everyone to roll initiative, not so much for combat, but just so effects happen after actions are taken. I got 18. All right. 14. Okay. 26. All right. So this will go Ulfric. Tabitha, Tabitha's warrior ally. George. Yep. Then Kioth at the end. So you get the sense that there's a little bit too much vibration in the floor when you step. Nothing is immediately being triggered, but it feels like the room has more ability to move than it should. Mm, I don't trust this room, guys. <laughs> so again, there you have plenty of things in the room to interact with, whether we're talking about the furniture, like the rotting chairs and sofa small tables. Again, there's vases and urns uh, and different pieces and then tapestries hanging on the walls. And the tapestries are the only things that are not damaged? That is correct. I'm going to go to the tapestry on the left and see if I can figure out why it hasn't been screwed. Are you intending to tear down the tapestry or investigate behind it or what do you want to do? Yes. (laughs) Both of those two options. All right. So tearing it down uh, causes that tapestry to begin to transform. It instantly turns into green slime and covers uh, a twenty foot by ten foot section of the floor, which can for I now get the get, hell out of the way. G- yeah, giving you the first act, this is really only going to impact you. But go ahead and roll an athletics check to get out of the way. Athletics nineteen. All right, not too shabby. You roll clear. Now uh, behind it, you do see what looks like a secret doorway, which means it's just a matter of avoiding said floor, which means you have to jump over that slime to get back out that doorway. Or fly. That's true. You two are good. You're going to have to do another jump. No, I can take him. Oh. Can, is she the door can big enough for me, me to fit? Hmm? She can lift me, but she can't lift anything else if she's Right. So it, who are you taking first? I'm going to shove Kiyop in so that you no, can no, look for traps. No, no, let check the other side to make sure there isn't something else over there, too. Over. What is the slime like spreading over the room? It's on the floor, yes. But is it like moving or is it just on the floor? It is on the floor. It's covering 20 feet by 10 feet. Oh, whatever. Okay. So I say we. I I I think. We I mean, the room the itself is only twenty. Is only thirty by thirty. So if I drop, if the other tapestry does the same thing, there will be four out of the nine spots you can stand will be covered with slime. Okay, so everybody move to the center of the room, and I'm going to go check the other tapestry. I think that's a bad idea. I would like to pick up Kioth and hover in the air, and you can go do that. Okay. <laughs> Fine, fair. fair enough. We'll do All that. right. Yes, that I'm other tapestry. Do the exact same thing to the other tapestry. That other tapestry does also immediately turn into a slime. And so there's a door. Go ahead. Yeah. 
19. All right. So, so I'm standing in the, f- the, the, yep. the few, few okay spots. Yes. Now, the other thing that would have happened is as you were doing that, the floor violently shakes. I need you to make a dexterity saving throw. Me? Yes. 11. That just succeeds. Oh, All right. Goodness. Cool. Yep, you're good. All right. You're still upright. Oh, no, it was uh, 12. Yeah, you're still upright. You have determined that you do have a pathway out. The one on the right uh, does not reveal anything. It's just a wall behind it. Okay, so then I take Keoth and hover in front of the door that opened to the one on the left, and okay. he can check for traps. I'll check for traps. All right. Before uh, I even put him in it, he's <laughs> just looking. 30. All right. You do not see any. I open the door. All right. Pop him in there, and then I go back and I get Ulfric. All right. You Much guys pledged. carry on down a corridor, down another flight of stairs, and let me read what is ahead. You look upon an enormous chamber that you come into, and you see almost what looks like a forest of massive, many-hued columns supporting the ceiling. You are in a large chamber Column with room. several support. Column yep. room. Yep. That's in the evil evil poem. Good memory, Ulfric. Mm-hmm. I have a high intelligence and a mediocre wisdom. I just am not nice to people, and people don't like me. All right. If you find the false, you'll find the true, and into the columned hall you'll come, and there's the throne that's key and keyed. Is there a throne in here? Contrasting with the pastel colors of the floor and pillars of the hall is the stark blackness of a huge dais on the south wall, top which sits an obsidian throne inlaid with silver and ivory skulls. Upon the throne rests a crown of ma- a crown made of gold and a scepter made of electrum, with a gold knob on one end and a silver cap on the other. Well, I kind of want to go cake those. Check for traps. 25. All right. You do not detect uh, any traps through your normal means of being able to do so, just visually. I assume that was perception. Can I do an arcana check, or is that not going to really help us as far as telling if there's any magic in this place? At this point, detect magic would be more helpful than arcana. I'm using a spell slot. Detect magic. Go ahead and roll two d10s. (laughs) I love your look of apprehension every time she casts a spell. (laughs) He says to me. Because I've seen wild magic just completely bone a party. Okay. 51. A spectral shield hovers near you for the next minute, granting you a plus two bonus to your armor class and immunity to magic missile. Oh, hey. Wow. That's useful. There are a number of things that detect magic can tell you in this room. Oh. Uh, you detect a magical aura on every single pillar. None of you have touched any of them yet. Okay, got it. Don't touch them. There's also devil faces carved into the into mosaics in the northwest, northeast side of the room. I'm- Obviously, they don't give off a particularly pleasant aura. Uh, there is a gem at one end of the room that could be relatively easily claimed. Uh, it gives off a strong aura of conjuration. Really curious. About the crown the, yeah, and the scepter both uh, radiate a magical aura of abjuration magic. And that's protection, right? Uh, yeah, yes. or or stifling. The silver other. end of the scepter has an aura of necromancy magic. <gasps> what about the chair? Dias. Uh, can I just march right up and take these things? Not actually getting any kind of a read on the throne. It's the objects on it that are giving off the aura. I'm going to march up. Oh, wait, right. can we have a Kioth? Hey, you, yes. you, you see that these columns, they are magic. Can you tell us which column good, which column bad, and we can go touch all the good ones before we go around touching bad stuff? I have a feeling none of them are going to be very useful for us. I can, it might be three of the four pews. I can detect. <laughs> gave us money. Fair. Aberrations, celestials, 
Elementals, Fey, Fiends, or Undead, as well as Consecrated or Desecrated Areas. Does that help us in this endeavor? Mm, I don't know. Not necessarily. The aura you're getting off of the pillars is just a base is a relatively basic effect. There's not really an and there's not really a oh, this is We can't ex- sense yeah. their heart if they are good or evil. Right. Yeah. There's nothing that can help us do that. I'm gonna throw my hammer at a, the, a pillar that's far away from everybody. All right. We go to one end of the room. Are we by the throne? That's a 19 to hit the pillar. Uh, you successfully hit a pillar. You don't notice any other effect other than your hammer coming back to you. Cool. I don't even care oh. about the damage done to the pillar. All right. <laughs> cool. cool. <laughs> Just wanted to see if it would set anything off. Nope. Mm. Throwing a magic item at it. Is Kiyot stressing about that scepter? I kind of want to take the scepter. <laughs> cool, I'll take the crown and take the scepter. Let's go. I'm running for the show. I'm going. I'm going. I, I am on the other side of the room. I grab the crown. I, have no I part grab of this. the scepter. As soon as Ulfric puts on the crown, you are able to see in this chamber like it is illuminated by normal daylight. Oh. I can see. <laughs> I like it. I drop the torch that I'm probably on, like, torch four. Yeah. Of, or, like, six All right. at this point. Cool, cool. And Kioth has a scepter. Are you doing anything special with it or just taking it? Um, do I feel anything when I have it? You're getting a strong magical sense off of it, tracking with what Tabitha, I'm assuming, would have relayed the strong abjuration sense from the gold end and the necromancy sense from the silver end. I tried to cast Thaumaturgy through it. The spell effect is produced as normal. You Ooh. don't notice anything particularly different. But I can cast through it. So in this room, I apologize, Ben. Is there yeah. another doorway out? Or are we just like looking around for treasures? We're curious about the columns. There are, there are three doors to the north from what you can see more clearly. There also does seem to be a small inlay in the throne on the lower front panel of the seat. And that inlay bears a strong resemblance to the silver end of the scepter you just took up. Stick it in there. You watch as a five-foot-wide passageway door opens behind the throne as the throne descends into the floor. Does it take the scepter with it? You hold on to the scepter. Ah. Yay. Can Kioth take a look down that doorway? Because secret passageways are always the way to go. Yes. The walls of the area ahead are untarnished and gleaming copper panels set between rare woods inlaid with ivory. The ceiling is silver, formed so as to reflect and amplify light brought into the place. The chamber widens to the south where a set of gently sloping steps leads upwards. Six steps from the nearest to the farthest are made of onyx, pink marble, black marble, yellow serpentine, and malachite. I will look for traps. 25. (laughs) 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 All right. Uh, I need you to roll a wisdom saving throw. 15. All right. Uh, you are frightened of what you find on the black marble stair, but you do see what looks like a large cylindrical bronze key. What's on the stair? I'm frightened That's, of the key? You're frightened of the key, yes. Ah! <laughs> and I run away. <laughs> Would anyone else like to try? All right, Ulfric. I want to pick up. All right, go for it. Go ahead and give me that wisdom saving throw. <laughs> you are on a staircase descending down further. The stairs Dirty are twin. made of a variety of different things, and Ulfric picks up the key without any issue. Out of curiosity, who has the other one? Other key? Yes. You the one that. that we got from the vats? Yeah, so you have both of them? I think it is Ulfric. Okay, good to know. Yeah, I have both. As you continue along the stairs... Now we have two keys. 
All right. I don't so, know what they're for, but we got them. Yeah. Once That's you reach the end of these stairs, you Hang find on, a set of doors. Did one of us have to go get Birdman and drag his frightened butt down the stairs? It would have worn up. At, it would have worn off after a minute. Okay. <laughs> I'm not waiting a whole minute for him to stop being scared. I'm going to march my butt back up there, grab him by the collar, and drag him down the stairs. Is that uh, to right. Birdman's detriment, though? He like if he's the thing I'm frightened of with him as yeah. he gets closer, I run away. <laughs> what does he have? What do you have? The it's key. The key, the key. The key is yeah. what you're scared of. It, yeah, it cast antipathy on you. So the key casts a spell on Birdman, or at least it was triggered by touching the key. Wow. This is a key. You do not need to be scared of this. There is a set of massive doors ahead of you. Mm. There is a pair of valves that meet right around waist height in a cup-like depression with a central hole. And the hole, at least at first glance, appears to fit the second key. Do we need to check for traps? Have we done that yet in here? Nope. 27. All right. That means he rolled higher than 10. Yeah. Uh, Do the math at home, ladies and gentlemen. (laughs) (laughs) With that check, you were able to discern that the key that looks like it would fit this particular depression is actually the gold end of the scepter you carry. The door swings silently open. And ahead of you, there is an imposing chamber that has a silvered ceiling, just as the foyer was. And it is so brightly illuminated by reflected light, the walls are of ivory with gold inlaid. In each corner stands a statue of black iron, easily nine feet tall. That to the northeast stands with a sawtooth, two-handed sword raised to strike. That to the northwest, a huge spike-ended mace. To the southeast, the sculpture holds a wickedly spiked morning star, and the one to the southwest has a vogue. Near the center of the room is a large bronze urn, filigreed in gold. A thin stream of smoke issues from a tiny vent in its brass stopper. On the southern wall stands a granite sarcophagus that appears to be damaged. Flanking the sarcophagus are two iron chests. Examining the lid of the sarcophagus reveals glyphs that spell a seric, inset in platinum. Inside, you can see bits of a wooden inner shell, a few bones, destroyed jewelry, torn bits of robes, dust, and a broken staff. I brush the bones with my feather duster. All right. Oh, no. Did we check for traps already? Nope. We all walked collectively past the urn, and there's four statues <laughs> in this room that are giving me the heebie-jeebies. But that's okay. You also, upon inspection of those bones uh, with your feather duster, determined that uh, they belong to yet another explorer who met their fate in this dungeon. They are not the bones of Sarek. Oh. What's in the urn? So it has a stopper at the top of it. Beyond that, you're not going to be able to see much unless that is removed. That sounds like a bad idea. Don't remove it. Don't remove it. Break it. Do not break it. (laughs) Wait, hang on. You giving me permission to break it? No. Put it in the sarcophagus and then break it and we'll shut the lid. I don't think that'll work. I like your creativity, but I don't think that's going to trap whatever is in there. Screw it. I'm going to open. I'm going to pull the stopper. All right. Uh, Let me grab a stat block. (laughs) That said, you are not rolling initiative. Yeah, I suppose. (laughs) (laughs) That's true. We are not rolling initiative. No. Is it a sphinx? Is it more poison? <laughs> you bring forth an afrit. An, an, an afrit? Yes. A what? You mean a, you mean a really mean genie? Yes. Oh, you bring great. forward an afrit. Wonderful. Are Hello? they trapped? It comes before you in a form with kind of this dark, purplish, almost rose-colored skin, short horns, large golden hoop earrings, 
uh, clad in a battle skirt with a sword at its waist, and it will offer you three wishes. Are they monkey's paw type wishes? Like, are these wishes yeah, that backfire? Usually, usually. Three wishes. Guess huh? to Ulfric? He was the one who pulled the stopper. Mm. <laughs> Can you wish for the demi leech to be dead? Deader? Deader. <laughs> the module says it will grant three wishes for the party and then depart. So, not well, just limited Ulfric, but they'll pass through. Convo. You. Yes. I want to have a sidebar before we <laughs> approach. Powwow. So we have three wishes. What is it that we as a group want? We want the demi-leech dead, we want the treasure, and we want to be out of here. But if we wish for just those things, how is this genie going to disrupt those goals for us? Monkey's paw style. Do those three those three goals, those are what we're in here for, right? I don't wanna I don't wanna wish the demi-leech away because I wanna fight it. <laughs> Do you wanna wish for it to come to this room? Ooh. Yeah. And then that should trap. we beat the demi leech? We get the treasure that's wish two. Ooh. Wish three, we get out. I have an idea. Yes. What if we use one of our wishes to bring the demi leech here? The last one. Before that, we wish that this Ifrit will help us fight him. And I could bring this dead adventurer in the sarcophagus back to life. Then it's like five on one. Six on one, we have George. The, dem- the demi leech is going to look at George, and George's hit points are going to drop to zero. Yeah. No offense, George. None taken. Also, I'm trying to decide if I want to impose the, I can't bring people back from the dead. I can. <laughs> he can. Why can't you? All right, fine. Let's go for it. Those but are the wait, three wait, wishes. wait. What are, just to recap, what are the three wishes one more time? That the Ifrit helps us fight him, and then he brings the lich to this room. Guys, are we thinking about how we get out of this strange place that has been so difficult to get into? Do we want like a, the Ifrit to create a safe path for us to exit or some something that we have that magically gets us from where we are to teleport out of this space once we have our treasures and have succeeded or whatever our wish is to be able to teleport at will out of this temple and if we if we amass a room of treasure national treasure type style we need to be able to take that treasure with us hey afrid are you taking notes I'm doing my best. <laughs> Are we prepared with these wishes then? First one is for a magic scroll that is so powerful any one of us could use it and will transport both the user of the scroll and anyone it designates as well as any objects it designates on a one-time pass from here to another location. And the second okay, is for the freed to help us. And the third is for the freed to summon the demi-leech without the demi-leech's knowing surprise and plop it here as soon as the wish is cast. What say you two? Is that approved? I approve. We present our desires to the the genie. So you want a scroll of gate? Yes. All right. That is presented without issue. We want you to help us fight the lich that we know is down here, but we're pretty sure is Astraki Macamacker. All right. I will see what I can do. And then item three is to bring him here. Yeah. You sure about that? Where you're going to help us fight him. Great. Okay. Wait, wait. Before you do it. Are you going to do it? <laughs> I will do my best. This is his domain. I mean, what's the worst thing? We continue on to the dungeon until we find him the hard way. Well, I was going to activate one of my abilities, but everybody mm. get ready to gank him. Oh, <laughs> Suit up, everybody. All right. Here we go. George, and, let's do this. And number three. <laughs> All right. There is a moment where nothing happens. Nah, man, what kind of a genie are you? We By all- the way, what's then, your name? Hmm? <laughs> Robbie. 
Robbie. Robbie. Meet George. <laughs> Pleasure to meet you. All right. So let's see how this goes. Uh, after a moment of silence, there begins to be a vibration from the sarcophagus. And it's like, oh, okay, yeah. So uh, those bones uh, in there obviously weren't his, but that's what it sounds like when the sarcophagus explodes and you see an enormous floating skull wreathed in dark magic and we're going to roll initiative. Here we go. Right. Yeah, there we go. Good thing you didn't damage the urn because if you did, you would have been fighting the genie rather than wi- making wishes. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I like the genie. He seems cool. Uh, yeah. Nice. Hi, Robbie. Ooh, I hope we don't die. Oh, we're going to get our s*** wrecked. <laughs> I believe in us. I think I we can don't. do it. Yeah, this is what Tomb of Horrors is all about. Facing the horror. We can do it. We can emerge. We'll be brave. Come on, George. You know, in all honesty, we didn't get our teeth kicked in by the other stuff that we've gone up against no, thus stuff far. Was so easy. Ulfric, what is your initiative? Nineteen. Okay. Mm, I beat you. Yeah. Twenty-two. I rolled, I rolled really well. Okay. Sixteen. <clears throat> me and George. What, wait, what is your dex modifier? Five. Please roll another d20. Five. You just broke a tie with the Sarek. I rolled a one. <laughs> All right. And Tabitha? 16. All right. So. What's Robbie's? 13. So. All right. Kioth will lead off, followed by a Sarek, followed by Ulfric, followed by Tabitha, followed by George, followed by Robbie. All right. Anytime you are taking an action here, I just need to be told uh, how far away from a Sarek do you want to be? That's what will matter. <laughs> well, where is he now? He has teleported into the center of the room. So is he next to any of us? Is he next to all of us? He is within melee range of two of you. Ulfric on one side and Tabitha on the other. That's right where I want to be. All right. My turn? Yes, it is. I will use my cunning action to take disengage so I will not provoke opportunity attacks. All right. I assume I'm fairly close. I'll move five feet up. Stab him. All right. Stabby, stabby. Ooh. Oh, no, you won't. <laughs> Probably not. Does a 16 hit? It does not. And then I run away. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Rogue. Immediately in his vicinity, uh, he is going to target three creatures within 10 feet of him that he can see with his life drain effect. <laughs> not me. Yep. So I need Ulfric, Tabitha, and George to make constitution saving throws. Here is Tabitha's. Natural 20. All right. Uh, 23. George's was 19 without a modifier. Ooh. You all succeeded. Okay. <laughs> Let's see. For the listeners at home, Stephen is flipping, flipping the bird. He's flipping <laughs> the, the key off. <laughs> yes, indeed. <laughs> that was his action. He is not going to move, otherwise provoke opportunity attacks. All right. Well, hammer, hammer attack first. Does a 24 hit. Uh, yes, it does. Cool. I've got five charges on my hammer. God, do I want to do this to you right <clears> now? <throat> no, you don't want to stun your um, comrades. I I need you to get out of the way. Can I do point. that? No, you can't. Not right now, but you know, consider that. Don't be within 20 feet of him. Six lightning, 12 bludgeoning. Okay. Hand axe. Does a 17 hit? No. Second attack. Does an 18 hit? No. Oh, okay. Hand axe. Does a 32 hit? <laughs> yes. 
Oh my gosh. And then the hand axe is going to do 13 slashing. Okay. Third attack. Does a 33 uh, Yes, yes it does. Garbage roll. Two lightning and nine bludgeoning. Okay. Hand axe. Does a 22 hit? Yes, it does. 13 slashing. Fourth attack. 21. That will hit. Six lightning. 12 bludgeoning. Okay. Hand axe. 20. Just hits. Okay. Well, now we know what his AC is, guys. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my goodness. 14 slashing. I'm going to move my speed away from him. All right. And then I'm going to dump an action surge. All right. Of which I have four of, by the way. And I'm going to huck the hammer at him. <laughs> Very good. 20. Not natural. Just a dirty 20. Okay. That does hit. Yep. Six lightning, 13 bludgeoning, returns instantly to my hand. I'm going to huck the hand axe at him with my offhand. Yeah, 28. That's fine. It hits. That doesn't come back, so... That's Whoops. fine. Whoops. Um, that's 13 bludgeoning, uh, slashing damage. And I guess I'll pull another hand axe out of my belt. This one's not a plus three, so pulling mm. out one of those. Okay. And that's my turn. Goodness. All right. After your Woo-hoo! turn, he is going to use a legendary action. Each creature within 30 feet of the Demi-Lich must make a DC 15 constitution saving throw. Am I considered within 30 feet? I probably am. I, I ran my, I moved my speed. But I think that would have, if you were five feet away, you would oh, yeah, be 35, would be 35 feet away. So I yeah. don't have to do it. Yep. Do George and I have to? Yes, as well as the genie. Constitution saving throw, you yes, said? Yes, that is correct. Tabitha got 11. Okay. George got 11. Okay. So not your hit points, but your hit point maximum is mm. reduced by 13. Really? Yes. Ooh. Same happens to George. He's going to activate a lair action, so I need each creature on the floor of the tomb to make a dexterity saving throw. Oh, gross. 23. All right. 15. All right. You fall prone. Ow. <laughs> oh, no. And our genie also knocked prone. And that brings us to Tabitha. If I move away, I want to get as far away from Aseric as possible. All right. I can be up to 120 feet away from him and still cast the spell I'm about to cast. And I cast Rolothim's Psychic Lance. It is an instantaneous spell that has a range of 120 feet. And so I unleash a shimmering lance of psychic power from my forehead at Aseric as long as I can see him within range. I can also utter his name. Either way works. And so if the name target is within range, it gains no benefit from cover or invisibility as the lance homes in on it. If the target isn't within range, the lance dissipates and the spell slot is not expended. The target must succeed on an intelligence saving throw or take 10d6 psychic damage and be incapacitated until the start of my next turn. He's a big bad. So even though I just failed that, he's going to use a yep. legendary resistance to succeed the save. Dang, I really thought I had him there. It's all or nothing. Shoot. Sorry, guys. Wild magic. Wild magic, I got 44. For the next minute, you can teleport up to 20 feet as a bonus action on each of your turns. Wow. Why is, why is your wild magic so much more useful? Because <laughs> it's the actual wild magic chart. Can I withdraw my use of um, sorcery points to reevaluate my list and move on to the next player's turn? I'll let you do that, yeah. So casting the one spell is an action. Yep, next person. And now it's George. Yes, it is. 
Uh, George, George doesn't have much, but you know what? He's got spirit being a warrior spirit. <laughs> so what George is going to do, uh, he is a monk. You would make it sounds like a melee attack here if I have it correct. Yeah. Yes. But so it's I just, using your spell. It's using your charisma mod. Yeah. So it's a plus five to hit. 19 plus five. That hits. That'll hit. Okay. Good awesome. job, George. Woohoo. Good job, George. Okay. So now that he is hit, it's 1d4 plus three <laughs> plus the spells, levels, bludgeoning damage. And the target must succeed on a strength saving throw against my spell, save DC, or be knocked prone. All right. So D4 plus 7. 4, so 11. And the target must succeed on a strength saving throw, or is it too late now? He's going to succeed on that because of his legendary resistance. Yeah, but he's only got 3 of those. Yes, he does. And that was how much bludgeoning damage? You said 11? 11. All right. Go, George. Uh, hey, Ben. Yes. This is a big bad, big bad. So he's got three, and then he gets him at the top of each round, or he's got three. He's got three. <laughs> yeah, you're burning through him. <laughs> Robbie? Uh, yes, it is. All Come on, right. Robbie. Robbie. Robbie's going to attempt to hit that back wall with a wall of fire. At the very least, this is probably going to burn up a Sarek's last legendary resistance, depending on the result of the roll. It is going to do that. Yay. So he's already out of legendary resistances? Yep. Which is good because that means he can't just auto save your your spells now. Ooh. Oh, Which means right. that when I throw my hammer, he's got to actually. And the entire back of the chamber it. at this point is basically on fire. Oh, that's hot. Yep. That's real hot. And I love it. And we come back around to the top of the order with Keoth. Do it. <laughs> sure, I'm debating. He's also going to use a legendary action, if I didn't already say this, to fly up to half his speed up and away and kind of in towards your general area, but he's hovering and he's out of your melee range. That's fine. I'll just throw stuff at him. He's flying? <laughs> yes. Yeah. I have to touch him for this. Um, <laughs> Can't you fly? You're a bird. No, not normally. But I will stand up. Okay. I will then movement. use my bonus action to ghost walk. So for what? the next 10 minutes, I become a spectral ghost form. While in this form, I have a fly speed of 10. <laughs> so I will get to him eventually <laughs> and curse him. Okay. Oh, my goodness. But I will then fly the rest of the way towards him. Okay. And I'm not in melee. It'll take you two turns to get so him with I that fly speed. So I will shoot him with my longbow. 32. That hits. That'll definitely but he's hit. he's not adjacent to any allies. Yep. Wow. Okay. No sneak attack. So this is like no damage. <laughs> Nine damage. Oh, Nine right. piercing damage. Cool. Cool. Oh, okay. Not nothing. Not nothing. Uh, every right. little bit counts, but every little bit. Uh, I'm coming. <laughs> Very slowly. The Demi-Lich uh, stat block is expanded significantly when you're running a Sarek. Yo, I'm sure. Yep. I don't even want to know. Well, I need Ulfric to make a charisma saving throw. Oh, no. Come on. <laughs> Not that one. Anything else. <laughs> <laughs> I got a 16. Woohoo! Woo! That, I rolled an 18, baby. That fails. Oh, come on. So you watch as you see one of the eyes of the Demi-Lich skull glow, and Ulfric's body is apparated into it. He has successfully used Trap Soul on you. Suck! <laughs> what, what does that do? Uh, that means you need to break that eye, because <laughs> I'm stuck there. He's You're got two stuck gems in for his eyeballs. eye? Yep, I'm dead. So does that mean as we go against the Aseric, can yeah. that hurt you? I'm gone. Nah, I'm dead. I'm gone. You, I might as well not exist at this point. But if we break oh, the eye, you come back. Oh, no. Yep. You got to break the eye. You got to break the eye. Can we target the eye? We pass turn on to uh, Tabitha. <laughs> you watch as you... Yo, fireball. <laughs> <laughs> Dispel magic. Bring him back. He is airborne. 
Yeah, your fireball might not hit any. It might not hit any allies. Okay, then I want to do. I want to once again spend my two sorcery points. I'm going to try two different things. Okay. First, I am going to do fireball, and I'm going to cast it at. What do I want to do? As high as it goes. I can't do. I can't expend wish. I'm going to cast it at level six. Oh, you could just wish him back. Oh, you could just wish me back. I could just wish you back. I'm just going to do that. Okay, but I'm still going to spend my two sorcery points to do two different things. So first, I'm going to get wild. I'm going to cast Wish, and I wish for Ulfric to be removed from the eye, restored to full health, and returned to our side to continue fighting. With all my Yes. (laughs) Thank you. Given how Tomb of Horrors works, that was an important clarification. (laughs) Good call. Thank you. So those are my two. So that's my first one for my second, as I am using two sorcery points to use quicken spell. Um, So that was my first spell. My second spell then is, and I don't know if it's gonna work. Oh shoot! I can't. If I do this, it gets rid of George. How's everybody feel about that? Dude. George is fine. Okay, I'm um, George. Thank you for your service. My <laughs> concentration spell is eliminated. George disappears, and I use a concentration spell to cast Ego Whip. I lash the mind of one creature I can see within range, f- filling it with despair. The target must succeed on an intelligence saving throw or suffer disadvantage on attack rolls, ability checks, and saving throws, and it can't cast spells. At the end of each of its turns, the target can make another intelligence saving throw. On a success, the spell ends on the target. Okay, so he has to make an intelligence save. Yeah, that's probably correct. best stat, but... All right. That's probably... Probably got like a 22. Yeah, it is probably his best stat. It says range I have to be in 30 feet. Am I close enough? Yes. Yeah, you, you've been within range of most of his bad stuff this whole time. All right. So, good news for you guys. I rolled a three. This is going to be easy. All right. So, so f- it. It's a concentration spell up to one minute. All right. Okay, so right, he away. obviously <laughs> failed, but we don't know what the save actually was. It's much higher than 14. So am I back? <laughs> Due to the effects of the wish spell, you basically watch as out of the eye of the Demi-Lich, back to where he was standing, dropped prone, <laughs> yep, no, it's fine. but alive, is Ulfric. <laughs> <laughs> and George has disappeared. We yes. wave goodbye. Bye, Thank you, George. We salute your service. I'm going to mm-hmm. kill that thing. Oh, I have to do my... um. Wild magic. Yep. Yes, we do. Twice. Oh no. 73. <laughs> nope, we haven't done that one yet. No, you haven't. No. All right. So this could potentially hit anyone. Uh, I'm going to roll for it. So, uh, I'm sorry. okay. So <laughs> it can it hit me. anyone Watch other than me. you. So George is no longer in the, in the mix here. <laughs> Robbie is in the mix for this, as is Kioth, as is Aseric, as is Ulfric. So I'm going to roll a d4. And I'm gonna roll them in that order. So I rolled a two, so the effect is hitting Kioth. I'm sorry, Kioth. Alright. <laughs> what is it? Depends what it is. Uh a random creature within sixty feet of Tabitha is poisoned. For one D four hours. Thankfully I just rolled a one. But yes, you are poisoned. I'm sorry, bud. <laughs> well, that's unfortunate. <laughs> <laughs> And the second one, because you did two spells. 50. 50. Wait, on the nose. yeah, because if it's... Yeah. 50, yeah. 50. Yeah, yeah. There's something <laughs> you're going to have to check on each spell. Oh, my for, God. For, no, here's the thing. For the next minute, which is the next 12 rounds of combat, you're not able to speak. So any spell that has verbal components okay, cannot yes. be cast. 
Oh, no. <laughs> That's not horrible. That's bad. I mean, Could just be. use your breath weapon you just, and your you'll, you'll claws, see the, I guess. Yeah, because you'll see the, the VSM, the verbal somatic material. If you see a V, you can't cast it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah seriously. <laughs> <laughs> I ain't dead yet, lich. No, you are not. So until round 12, you can't talk. All right. Well, I mean, you could talk, but your character can't talk. So I gotcha. Nothing you say can or whenever you try to speak, <laughs> pink bubbles float out of your mouth. It literally says that. They're pink. Oh no! I got butterflies. Commitment and pink to the theme. <laughs> That's oh my adorable. Oh, it's right. Turn now, right. Yes, it is. And uh, I used basically his only good attack spell, but it did burn up that last legendary resistance, which was the important thing. Hit him with your sword, Robbie. All right. Do something, Robbie. Ah, he does have scimitar attacks. Okay, yeah, we'll you try throw that. Throw it at him because you're going to have to fly right. to get to him. He can fly. He's an Afrit. Afrit are weird, man. Yeah, he can fly. Okay, if he can fly. Yes. That will hit. He hit him once, he missed him the second time. That brings us back to the top of the order with Kioth, who is poisoned for some random reason. <laughs> you said he's 20 feet away from me? It's going to take you another two rounds to get in melee, so this will get you half of the remaining right, distance. except I'm a rogue, so I can cunning action dash. With your fly speed? Yes, <laughs> he could. <laughs> <laughs> okay, yeah, you'll get within melee I'll, on this turn. I will dash up, and I guess I'll cast this uh Maximum level. Could seems ridiculous. Unnecessary. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh! I guess I'll just cast it at fifth level. Nah, do it, man. Unnecessary uh, I will is good. Touch the lich and oh. cast bestow curse. So he oh, has to goodness. make a wisdom saving throw. That is a nineteen. Then he fails because okay. it would be twenty. I still, I still have the plus three, so he failed that one. Oh, my goodness. Okay. Oh no. So, I will choose target must make... So, it lasts for eight hours. It does not require concentration from me. I will choose the target must make a wisdom saving throw at the start of its turn. If it fails, it wastes its action doing nothing. Oh. Okay. Good to know. Oh, goodness. That's awesome. So he's got to beat that 20 on his next turn or there's no action. Okay. Yes, That's although sick. it is a 19 now because yeah, my charge is, is dropped. Now. That's so it's fair. a plus two focus now. Okay. That makes sense. That the end of Keoth's turn? Yes. Are you still in melee range with him? Yes. Okay. That's he's got to make the hurt. wisdom save. Yes, Start of his turn. He's got to beat a 19. That is an 18. <laughs> he does nothing with his action. Right. Very good. Which means next up in the order is Ulfric. I'm about to wreck this man. <laughs> Woohoo! All right. So I'll, I'll use half my movement to stand. All right. And then I'll throw the hammer. That's an 18 on the die. That misses. Oh, on the, on the die. die. So that's a 32. <laughs> yeah, that hits. So on a hit, I'm going to expend... All five charges. Now, this is a thrown one, so hang on. I will be getting a charge back. Okay. So I have one charge, but I'm dropping all five. So that's 2d12 plus one for each additional. It's going to be six d12s of damage on top of what I'm about to do. And he needs to make a DC 17 constitution save. All right. And so do Robbie and I have to do that too. Yeah, you do. That's right. I passed. Or I got 17. Okay. So that does succeed. Uh, Aseric fails. Good. So, from the weapons attack. Yes. Oh, and Robbie's going to have to make this 
as well. Oh, he failed too. Okay. So from the weapons attack, he's going to take five lightning and ten bludgeoning. All right. And then he's going to take six d12s of damage, and he is stunned on his next turn. So how much was that initial damage? You said it was... Five lightning, ten bludgeoning. Okay. Oh, that's right. There. So... Fifteen... Nine and three is eleven, so twenty-six. Eleven and nine is twenty. Forty-six. Forty-six thunder damage, and he is stunned until the end of my next turn. How do you want to do this? Wow. <laughs> so like stands up and goes <laughs> You thought hucks the hammer, starts like glowing and getting electricity flying off of it which slams into its face obliterating the skull in the loudest clap of thunder you've ever heard and then the two gems drop to the floor and Ulfric's gonna skick, uh, pick them up and turn them into rings <laughs> <laughs> these are mine now Oh my goodness. I'm a his soul <laughs> you're taking 23 damage from that by the no way no evasion Ah, yeah, you're right. You're fine. Robbie takes Robbie's 40. taking 46, and Robbie is now stunned. Yep. Sorry, buddy. He's all right. Uh, I will state that because of the wish cell, I am at full health. <laughs> <laughs> I'm also Remember when I said I couldn't die? You're oh, welcome. I'm still not dead. Bubbles okay. come out of Tabitha's yep. mouth. <laughs> so, the two jewels set into the skull's eye sockets are 50,000 gold piece rupees. Okay, I'll share. Maybe. <laughs> uh, the diamonds set into the teeth are 5,000 gold pieces each. You find 97 small gems worth 10 gold pieces each. Yeah, jump change at this point. Uh, four <laughs> magic weapons, a defender, a sword of vengeance, a berserker axe, and a spear of backbiting. You also find three huge gems worth 10,000 gold pieces, 50,000 gold pieces, and 100,000 gold pieces, respectively. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we can retire. 12 potions, six spell scrolls, each of a wizard spell of fifth level or lower, one magic ring, one magic rod, one magic staff, and three wondrous items. And this ends the expedition to the Tomb of Horrors. <laughs> we hope you and your players have found it exciting, challenging, and rewarding. That's what it well, says. Wait, how do we get out? We have our gate. We have the gate. We, we have our gate. We have our scroll. So we yeah. leave. We exit with all these different coins. We take Robbie with us. Only bubbles are coming out of my mouth right now. <laughs> we <laughs> take Robbie after a minute. with us. Oh, only after a minute? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, then you can talk again, Pinky. You've heard all this. Hey, everybody. Hi. So I vote that we take all this treasure. We use the spell scroll to get out. We do a long rest. Then can I use my wish to make Robbie free? Be a, after a long rest. But yeah, 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 absolutely. I mean, he's going to hang around. I also say that we battle royale it out for the whole kit and caboodle. No. <laughs> <laughs> right. Is there more? Is there more treasure in here? Noah, are you suggesting Ulfric instead that you fight the two of us to get the treasure that we have currently amassed? Yep. <laughs> no. Oh, my goodness. Well, you're no fun. So I'd leave you with one hit point. Parting thoughts. <laughs> uh, Go team! Uh, yes. Celebration You guys did a wonderful job. Uh, I would advise any future DM who runs this to take more time and preparation than I did. Yeah, just like... <laughs> Learn that yeah. dungeon like f- the back mm-hmm. of your hand. A full understanding of exactly where all the different aspects of the map go and really figure out what is going to be interesting versus what is going to not be worth the time. Because I, I have watched videos in some areas where DMs have gone through and actively said, here's how you improve Tomb of Horrors. Yeah. And they'd be right. Pour one out for George. Yeah. If you come into this <laughs> with a party at level 20... <laughs> 
unless they trigger a trap and don't have the tools they need to make it through, they will wreck every monster in this dungeon. What I have learned from today's session is that in my next campaign, I desire to play someone with a wild magic. <laughs> <laughs> Good oh, to know. Oh, it's so fun. I loved your character designs. That was an immense <laughs> amount of fun. That's the most fun of doing this with the characters. Oh, my goodness. Well, cool. Yeah. Thanks for playing Tomb of Horrors, guys. And thank you for a wonderful season. Yeah, that's Thank it for us all. this season, isn't it? Yes. <sighs> this is the end. Until 2023. It's yes, been it such is. a special year. I've been so glad to be part <laughs> of it. It's already Guys. been a year. That's wow. the <laughs> We're not going to do this again until next year. Wow. <laughs> well, hey, on the, 30, you know what I'm, on the 31st, the ragtag will be singing at the Comets game. Yes, indeed. Which will be really cool. That yeah. is. Congratulations. Then, that's really that's cool. cool. That'll be very, very cool. And then, then we're into 23, man. And on to the spotlight from there. That was Peace from The Backpacker, a 2019 album from our dear friend Lucas Norton. Caleb and I are once again in the home studio for our third or technically fourth consecutive spotlight. This time it's an old favorite that fits perfectly for the holidays.
I gotta, I gotta get into my Kermit the Frog voice here. Yes, we're we're very excited to talk to you about one of my all-time favorite holiday classics, The Muppet Christmas Carol. <laughs> Don't tell us your hand. Tell us the story. Didn't you say your favorite's Rizzo the Rat? Yes. Yeah. So is my is my all-time favorite Muppet because. I grew up watching Muppet Christmas Carol and their other 90s theatrical adventure Muppet Treasure Island, and Rizzo features prominently in both of those. He got replaced later on by Pepe the Prawn <laughs> as, like, Gonzo's sidekick character. But, but in the 90s, they got paired together all yeah, the time. Rizzo will always be my favorite. Something I think that can be very much appreciated with any Muppets adaptation, and we talked about this, uh, for context, you and I watched it a, a few weeks ago together. Uh, and for you, it's an annual rewatch. For me, mm-hmm. it was the first time coming back to it in maybe a little more than a decade. And it amazed me how well it holds up. And we can get more into some of just like the various details that uh, really just uh, make this this version of A Christmas Carol particularly strong. Like you hear sometimes that 90% of directing is casting. And when your cast is mostly Muppets, they were all perfectly placed with oh, yeah. Kermit as Bob Cratchit uh, to Gonzo as Charles Dickens. And the narrator of the <laughs> yeah. story, yeah. The Marleys were dead. <laughs> to begin with. <laughs> and Miss Piggy as and Bob Cratchit's Cratchit, wife. Yeah. Oh yeah. my gosh. Fozzie Wig. Just, yeah, everyone is in wonderful spots. And then, of course, in the middle of it all, you have... Michael Caine and there's yeah, so much to like about his performance Michael as Scrooge Caine. and I feel like he shows more Scrooge warms up a little faster in this movie than he does in other ones because I, I, I grew up on the George C. Scott version and then when I got a little older it was Scrooged and both that version of Scrooge as well as Frank Cross from Scrooge pretty much like they get freaked out but they stay relatively resolved in their position until the ghost of Christmas future. I guess like it's wonder- it was wonderful to see Michael Caine almost give Scrooge a little bit more of an arc. Yes, and I will say the only unfortunate thing about The Muppet Christmas Carol is your most readily accessible way to view it, which is on Disney+, Plus, has a missing scene. There was a song cut from the original theatrical release because, you know, the producers at the time thought that kids wouldn't They'd get bored, basically, mm-hmm. sitting through the slow love ballad that kind of takes place halfway through the film. And the version on Disney Plus is the theatrical version, so that scene right. is also missing. And that is sort of the turning point for Michael Caine Scrooge when, you know, he sees his younger self, uh, you know, basically break up with his fiance. And there's this emotional big love ballad when love is gone. Because uh, at the end of that scene, Michael Caine Scrooge joins in and it becomes a duet at the end so he's singing with like the past version of his fiance and yeah that's like the thing that opens him up and after that is you know the ghost of christmas present who is phenomenal in this movie he's like (laughs) he's like everything you want in christmas just a big giant bearded jolly man yeah a very jolly puppet well and that was we talked uh a little bit about this too just the technical aspects Mm -hmm. Of rendering not only him but also Ghost of Christmas Past uses some yeah, some cool technology was, because it was the moment was like floating like they shot yes, in she water. was shot in an aquarium yeah and then they like green screened that into the rest of the film yeah which is like some that's yeah, some really Raider, that's some Raiders of the Lost Ark stuff right there used to more again intended for kids it's maybe a little unsettling but still comes off as sweet as it does creepy yeah as a child you know the ghost of Christmas future scared the crap out of me. He's just this like 
ghoulish reaper figure mm. uh and the puppet is incredible i mean all the puppets are incredible but that one in particular i thought they did a fantastic job on the design of yeah we also talked a little bit about paul williams which great paul williams transitions kind of out of our last spotlight because we talked about kevin conroy paul williams also again kind of an early 90s vintage uh was the penguin in batman the animated series and around this time he also would have been composing the music mm-hmm. for this film and even if you watch the version missing that kind of emotional turning point right uh, so much of the music just <laughs> just unironically slaps it does it yeah. does uh we watched it and we were hanging out with other friends you know the evening after we had finished viewing it and i just kept singing all the songs going through my head <laughs> <laughs> obviously the childhood association is a strong one like what are some of the other aspects that maybe we haven't touched on thus far that make it that definitive storytelling of a christmas carol that you come back to each year well, I think that starts with Christmas Carol itself as such a timeless story. You know, I mean, everyone knows it. Pretty much everyone reads it in school or has read it at some point. And there's, you know, up to million adaptations in film or television. So everyone's very familiar with the story. And I think even kids today, there is a cultural familiarity with the Muppets. They're just they're such a big thing between them and Sesame Street, like... People love the Muppets. So you put those two things together, it it can't fail. It's guaranteed to be just like a wonderful, wholesome success. Yeah. And it's hitting all of those familiar beats, regardless of when and how you were first exposed to the story. Most everything you would expect to be there is along with the wonderful comedic moments from the tiny Muppet who's wanting to get a penny for a song and then getting hit by a Christmas wreath Mm -hmm. or the... uh, professor talking about business and then the shelf falling down in the background i mean just so many little moments that are quintessential muppets uh that go along with an extremely heartfelt version of an an old and familiar story yeah the muppets are just they're so smartly written jerry jewell wrote the screenplay it's so clever everything's timed perfectly it's so well coordinated and directed yeah it's just fantastic That is the note with which we close out the spotlight portion of our third season finale. This has been an extraordinary amount of fun. Also, we got to close out uh, just a few episodes and a few days ago, the RPG Decades series, which was also an extraordinary amount of fun to put together. So close. (laughs) Caleb and I, along with Larissa and Steven, look forward to being with you next year as we pick up with our community update in January. And then after that, season four. Happy holidays. Thank you for listening. Please leave a review, give a rating, subscribe, and share with your friends from wherever you get your podcasts. It all helps Storytelling Breakdown reach more people and grow our community. Check out the SB blog, past episodes, reach out, leave a comment, send a message, especially for the spotlights. We reach out to friends and people in our various social orbits for episode and spotlight content. But it's so cool when you come to us too. You can find Storytelling Breakdown on Facebook and Instagram. Reach out to our team at info at storytelling-breakdown.com. Our theme music is by Kurt Remke. Our logo is by Daniel Church. Our podcast is hosted wherever you get your podcasts by John Dawkins and Wayne Shout Productions. Everyone has a story. These are some of our favorites. And this has been Storytelling Breakdown.
WSP, Wayne Shout Productions. Wayne Shout. <laughs>